0: Today was the first day of the trial for Derek Chavin in the George Floyd case, and trial is being delayed because the judge wants to add another murder charge. Basically, they want to add, I think it's third-degree murder to uh, Chavin's list of charges, which is serious because a lot of people think that second-degree murder won't stick. They overcharged him. Basically, you have to prove he wanted to kill somebody, and that's going to be very, very difficult to prove. But let's be real, even with third-degree murder, manslaughter is going to be hard enough to prove as it is, and a lot of people think Chavin will actually be acquitted. Now, it all comes down to politics. If politics plays a role in this, he could be convicted of all counts, or he could be found not guilty on all counts because they don't want the cop to go to jail for this. I think, realistically, there is a good possibility of a manslaughter charge sticking but then you have the fact that the Minneapolis Police Department actually trains their officers to do exactly what Chauvin did. So by all means, criticize the department. Say you don't like them for doing that. But can you blame the individual for doing as he was trained to do? That's where things get sticky. In the end, I don't I don't care. I don't think it matters what happens. They're going to riot. So, you know, we'll talk about that. We got a couple other stories. We got Andrew Cuomo facing impeachment because uh, there's a lot of things that guy did wrong. You know, killing people and then grabbing that woman's whole head and, like, squeezing—I I love this. They said, you know, Cuomo Cuomo gave out a statement saying, I did not inappropriately touch any woman. And there's a photo of him just grabbing this woman's head. It's like, bro, you grabbed her whole head. Like, I don't know if—it's it's inappropriate. Like, if he was touching her arm, I'd be like, well, you know, he grabbed her whole day. Uh And then we have this—I I can't believe I'm going to say this—Burger King <laughs> tweeted— women belong in the kitchen that's that's them i didn't say that that's not my quote burger king tweeted that women belong and burger king said this (laughs) in the kitchen straight quote so we'll talk about all that we are being joined today by classically trained actor clifton duncan Do you want to introduce yourself yes
1: my name is clifton duncan hello to all my new friends out there i'm a broadway veteran and one of the few actors that people seem to want to listen to these days when i talk about politics and current events how strange is that that's the uh, the most I've accomplished in my career is creating a Twitter account, and I'm uh, I'm it's a very dubious accomplishment. But uh, I, I'm riding the wave right now.
0: I like to say Twitter is pointless, but I guess you know here you are. I suppose you, it puts you on the political stage, in a, in a matter of speaking.
1: It's it's very strange. It's very strange. You know, I I started because I had I had an account before, and I had an anonymous account where I said this is what I really think, and I was like you know my my public account I will just I'll, I'll use that for work. But my problem is that I just can't shut my mouth. And um, at a certain point, especially when things began to fall apart in 2020, um, I, I just, you know, I, I began to really freak out. And I said, you know, I, I just have to, I have to say something. Someone has to do. And honestly, it was, um, it was your rant last year. It's one of the reasons that I'm sitting here right now. Oh, and wow. you were like, I you know, I, that. I didn't do that Yeah. Well, your censor of it was, was hilarious in the, uh, in the, in the, <laughs> the clip, like, oh. Oh. but, um, <laughs> You know, but I said, yes, you know, because you know, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but i I've experienced in my life that when people see something wrong there's there's nobody they always say someone should do something, someone should say something, and then it, it, you know, but no one ever does, and that that's someone should be you so i you know I'm messaging James Lindsay, he wrote back to me, and then i I ended up meeting up with Carrie Smith, who oh, you know cool. she just happened to nice. be driving from Texas to somewhere else, and we met up in Atlanta, and um you know things kind of took off from there, and I just began. Just saying what I what I really think, and, and Twitter for all its uselessness and vitriol, uh, it, it kind of caters to my strengths, which is like being being a smart aleck and um, and being able to uh, and being able to write with a little bit of flair. And um,
0: I, I feel like there's actually more and more people who are not conservative but are about freedom and free speech yeah. and humor this politically homeless space is getting bigger. Yeah. More, and more people are coming into it. you you especially.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I have private conversations with people, um, in my industry and, and outside of it in New York and in other places who say, yeah, I just, I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying, but I just, I go. And like you, like, I began to become irritated because, you know, <laughs> I, I do have sympathy. You know, you, you have things that you want to protect in your life. You have a livelihood, you have a family that you want to provide for. But at the same time, you know, it's. I think I think 2020 has demonstrated our 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 mass inability to do a really good and mature cost benefit analysis. So, what's worse, you losing your job right now, or or you continuing to allow these things to to perpetuate? And you know what kind of world will will your children live in? You know, a, a world where they can't say what they what they really feel, where they have to keep lying about things that we know are obviously true. Um, yeah you know th- this it's,
0: it's a, a nineteen eighty four world where you're yeah. looking at a picture of a blue square and you keep telling everyone it's a red it's triangle. A red circle or, yeah, yeah or a red <laughs> circle and, you're, and then you, you know deep down you're like i know that's not true but if i if i say otherwise that is that is an insane way to live it's well what insane way to one live. of the
1: most devastating lines i've ever read in all of literature is the is the final line of nineteen eighty four where he says he loved big brother and I feel like I shouldn't say this, but I'm on, I'm well on my way to cancellation anyway. I might as well say it. <laughs> but th- but that's what I feel like because now, at least in my industry, there, you know, you go and you do and meet and greet at the first day. And people say, well, you know, say who you are and what your role is and and what you're here for, and also share your pronouns. And I feel like if I if I do that, now I have no problem if someone wants to be addressed in a certain way, but don't compel me to do that. And I feel like yeah. if I do do that, then in a way, that's me saying, well. I love Big Brother. I'm I'm going along right. with with this with this ideological bent that I don't really understand and that I, and that I can't embrace fully. I have serious issues with that. And uh, you can
0: always culture jam and culture say jam. like my pronouns are alilila and la 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 la, and then when they ask you to repeat it, be like you didn't ask anybody else to repeat it. So l- l- I agree with you. If someone, you know, if somebody has particular pronouns, I don't care. I'll, you know, I'll call you. I'll dress you as you you want to be addressed because I'm seeking to communicate with you and trying to build a certain level of you know respect. Yeah, yeah. But if someone asks of me, it's like, oh, if you want, if I, I, you don't want, you don't you don't want to ask me to play these games, like to engage in this stuff because I just I just get weird with it. Well,
1: it's also like you know, is there is there really any mystery as to what pronouns I might go? I'm six three with broad shoulders <laughs> and a baritone voice. Are you really confused? Zizer? To, no no tim huh that, that's a nice attempt but uh, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't quite fit <clears throat> not quite
0: him did i get it that time
1: that works for me all right hey, there <laughs> we go Is there it we him go. with a y it's like a warm yeah. glove it fits <laughs> yeah. perfectly it's hxm yeah.
2: oh, okay him <laughs> it's too much Z-im. All right, all right, all right. let's uh uh we also got ian. yeah here. hey everybody There's ian, ian crosson what up what up, Clifton? What? <laughs>
1: what? No, so, okay, so you said hello to everybody else, but when you're talking oh, to me, snap. yeah.
2: I see how it is. I'm getting is. real <laughs> with you.
1: You're trying to, you're trying to ingratiate how yourself. How I communicate. To me. That's by right. the way, like, before we came on air, this is hilarious. Like, we, we were talking about how, we, I, I don't know why, but only leftists seem to, automatically see black people whenever there's an ape or a gorilla or something
0: what the heck <laughs> all, right, so, so, all right so let's let's we'll, let's get some context real quick monkeys, there, there's a there's it a, a the very stuff. let's we'll just get we'll just get the context real quick there's a very very big instagram model who wore the Timcast irl shirt yeah. she got like almost 11 she got 10.6 million followers and this is just like the, one of the coolest things ever so um i don't know if i should shout her out because i don't want to you know draw undue political attention but she's a very very big influencer And she has two different posts, so she's wearing the I Am A Gorilla t-shirt, which is just meant to be a silly meme about, you know, Alex Jones. It's not really political. It doesn't even reference Jones. It was just something from the show that we thought was funny that people seemed to like. You should There should be no message conveyed other than I Am A Gorilla and a picture of a gorilla. So she wore that, and it was really, really awesome. So we were talking about it, but she did have one of the discolored ones. It's not the really awful. It's just kind of weird looking. And then... You, you, you made a comment about the left. Whenever they see stuff like this, they immediately think of black people. And I, I was, I was told this when we made the I Am a Gorilla shirt, I thought it was just a funny cartoon gorilla. And leftists actually said the shirt was racist, just in and of itself being a gorilla. And I was like, now that's racist. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it just, so your point was, if you want to elaborate. <laughs> it's like, no, it, I mean, there's
1: not a real point to it. It's just, uh, you know, you know, I, I kind of point out absurdities and things. And it's just, I, 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 I don't know what kind of person you are. If when you see a primate,
0: you automatically think of black people, I think you need you need They're to seek racist. help. <laughs> you got to clean well, your room. No, no, no. Like, listen, listen. Like Robin D'Angelo says, she's racist. <laughs> yeah. So she's that's, I th- I think a lot of people like us who are just like regular moderate liberal types, by a lot of people listen to the show, regular moderate conservative types, don't think of black people when they see you know cartoon gorillas or whatever. But it's no surprise then that these racists on the left, they do think it they literally tell us they're racist yeah why yeah. would we doubt their own words you know what i mean i think
2: oh just saying black and white is super not if not necessarily racist just ignorant because our skins aren't black and white like you have like mm. a brownish hue. i've got well, a pinkish hue. like we're not i'm not white my
1: skin is not this well, even, is white well even then that 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 in and of itself is just way too broad i mean people say well you know black people i'm like okay are they nigerian are they trinidadian mm-hmm. you know are, are they are they are they jamaican you know, where where are they from? I lived with um, a couple of um, Alvin Ailey dancers in, in New York City up in, in Harlem. And one of the girls was a... a a Canadian immigrant with Jamaican ancestry. I called her. I called her a Jamaican Canadian, but, <laughs> but she had she had no accent. So, but here in America, they they would call her an African American. I'm like right, that doesn't right. that doesn't make sense. But I had an ex girlfriend who is Nigerian who was raised here who could legitimately be called an African American. You know that, that's why I never used that term. I just say I, Black American.
0: I worked with a guy who was an immigrant from Haiti and he was here on a work visa, not even a citizen. And we were talking about the absurdities of, like, these forms they make us fill out in these jobs. And he got really mad. He was like, they keep calling me African-American. I'm from Haiti. Yeah. And, like, it was serious because he was proud of his country. Yes. And, like, it meant something to him. But they kept calling him. First of all, he wasn't from Africa and he wasn't from America. Yeah. But, like, that was stripped away for, this, for the sake of political correctness.
1: That's what they do. I
2: won't put white or Caucasian on forms. I'll put other because I'm not white. And I'm not from the Caucasus. Well,
0: you're allowed to do that now.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, like the Caucasus region, it's like crazy. all from Georgia, I'm from Europe, or like something. I'm from Ohio. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's uh we'll, we'll, let's get into the first story. Don't forget we got patch Let's press oh, all yeah. the ones. I'm in the corner. I'm what pushing the button. This is going to be a great conversation. Very long intro. But uh before we get started, go to timcast.com and become yes. a member because we have just like we're building this massive library of exclusive members only content. Oh,
2: I love it. About a whole
0: bunch of crazy things, a whole bunch of crazy awesome people. We got James O'Keefe, we got Sydney Powell, we got Blair White, we got Matt Brainerd. Mm-hmm. We had uh Ben Stewart. In the last segment, talking about ancient alien civilizations, maybe already dead, and DMT as some kind of path towards another reality. If you're into that, all kind of, all that kind of weird stuff. Otherwise, we got Jack Murphy saying, progressives can't be alphas. I Immediately, know. I know many progressives are going to be like, I challenge that assertion. And, uh, you should listen to it because it's actually an interesting debate. I totally argued with Jack on that point because I just, dis- I disagree. Timcast.com, become a member. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Let's get to this first story. Let's get to the big news. Ladies and gentlemen, Star Tribune reports Derek Chavin trial. Court adjourned for the day. Jury selection expected to begin uh, Tuesday unless appeals court intervenes. They say motions were reviewed during a short one-hour session in the afternoon. Case resumes Thursday. They say jury selection was delayed for at least a day in the murder case against Chauvin, uh, charged with killing George Floyd. Hennepin County District Attorney Judge Peter Cahill said he wants to hear from the State Court of Appeals about the prosecution's desire to revive a third-degree murder charge to the counts of second-degree murder and manslaughter in Floyd's death last May which was captured on uh, captured by a, a bystander cell phone and broadcast around the world. Cahill, who threw out the disputed count last fall, sent the prospective jurors home for the day ahead of bringing them back. Oh, he sent the progressive jurors home for the day ahead of bringing them back on Thursday. This is where we're at so far. And outside of this news about the delay, we also have—they've set up barricades already— Mm. 2000 National Guard being called in. This is, the, this is always the craziest thing. I'm like, when, when, you know, we're putting these videos together and trying to figure out what the, the right title should be. It's like, do we mention 2000 National Guard called into Minneapolis because they're scared people are going to go crazy? Mm. Or do we just give you like the straight facts? And I was like, let's just, you know, let's avoid the like the, ah, you know, National Guard's coming to get you. But I think it's fair to say, no matter what happens, I think we'll see riots. You know,
1: I don't know. I don't know what you think. It's, uh, it's, it's not going to end well. I mean, th- there was a, I wish I remembered his name, but there was a guy who wrote a piece on Medium um, way, way, way around the time that all this stuff was, was going on. And he mentioned, you know, it's it's a part of um, the MPD's code. Like they're allowed to, to use the, the knee on the neck or something like that in, in, right. in terms of restraint. And uh, I mean, his his whole argument was that it, it's likely that Chauvin is not going to be convicted of first degree murder. I just don't think these charges are going to stick. I think second, they're poli- second, sec- second, second, and second third. degree murder. They're, they're right. trying to add third. So I mean, I just I don't know how these charges will stick. But it's also, I mean, this this is a huge sticking point for me because it's yet another in this litany of stories that involve law enforcement and a black person uh, being being killed. That. Um, That are completely distorted by by the press and you 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 take this string of incidents or you or you or you create this string of incidents, you know, you don't look at them on an individual basis, you know, for me, the Eric Garner case, that was more of a gray area. But then you have like the Walter Scott case where he got shot in the back. And it's a clear cut case of of murder. I think I think that cop is actually serving. Uh, Twenty years oh, in prison. Was
0: was that the one where the guy was running away? He was and running and the away, the cop and the cop like,
1: just pulled it, bam, and shot him. Right, like yep. that kind of stuff. You're mm-hmm. like, you know, I think uh, I think the Philando Castile um, shooting was also a bad shoot. But there's, but and the, the NRA thing is,
0: that, that was the that was the one where he had le- he legally owned a gun.
1: Oh right, 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 right. And right. the cop
0: panicked and shot him anyway. That made me angry because I was like, the NRA should have been out here in two seconds.
1: Right. Well, see, and here's the thing on top of that because there are, there are many channels on YouTube that upload nothing but. Uh, um, uh, police body cam and dash cam footage so you can i mean i've seen how i've seen a lot of people get shot but you can see hours and hours of what police have to deal with all the time and when you and when you begin to see for instance how a a routine traffic stop that can be uh friendly you know pleasant can turn deadly like that you know or you see uh you know i mean the idea of sending social workers to handle you know for instance like the the uh, Capital
0: insurrection You know, well, I mean,
1: it's just <laughs> Because, you know, when, when you see enough videos Of like a six-foot-five, you know, dude Who's in some kind of psychosis Or he's on drugs or something And, he, you know, they try tasers, they don't work They try beanbag rounds, they don't work they, they try, I mean, people, they're emptying their magazines Into this person, and they still don't die You know what I mean? It's just, there's so many more layers And there's so many more things that you, that you have to consider That people just don't consider when, when dealing with the, the police, you know take, what I mean?
0: Take any one of these people to a firing range And then give them a handgun and watch them completely change their opinions on all of this stuff. Yeah. So I, I recently was talking to some friends and explaining to them the first, the first time I ever went to a shooting range, it was during the Ferguson riots. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned this. So, you know, fans of the show probably are familiar with the story. They said, the first thing was, have you ever fired a gun before? If you haven't, we don't want you to go in there without, without someone to train you and give you the basics. And so I said, I hadn't, but. The guy I was with was like this hardcore war journalist who's fired full auto, you know, AKs in the Philippines and other crazy countries. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Don't worry, we'll, we'll teach him how to fire a Glock, no problem." And my aim was actually no, my 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 aim was awful, but I was consistent. I aimed for the chest and the target at seven yards, and I hit him in the groin every time. <laughs> and but that's a true story, true story. Uh, I was like, I was very aware of how I was holding my body. And I could, I could repeat that same position, but I was just shooting low every time. And they told me I was probably pulling my hand down when I was pulling the trigger and they try giving these pointers. uh, What they told me was the average person that they give a handgun to can't hit the target at seven yards. Hmm. And believe it or not, the other people who are with us, they couldn't hit this thing. I was, I was amazed by like how bad everyone's accuracy was. Now you imagine you're what, 20 yards away Mm-hmm. The, the Mythbusters mm-hmm. did this thing where they're like, a person with a knife can close 21 yards yes. before the cop can get his gun out. So the the average person in a panic situation, a cop even with certification of some sort, it's a high-intensity moment. He's freaking out. He's adrenaline rushing. And he goes for his gun. And the guy's already closed the gap. Yeah. And if the guy's further away than that, he's got to be pretty good, proficient with his weapon. People don't realize, man.
1: There was a reporter who did uh, who... You can find this video on YouTube, um, who was very much you know, he was on that narrative of like, you know, a, you know, anti police and, and all this stuff and, and he went and under the, the and underwent the training. And that exact scenario, you know, someone and there's again there's hey, videos hey, online that you can find of hey. people with a knife. And you know they you know they might be across the room or something like that, and the officer will get stabbed several times before his partner is able to to draw and take the guy down i'm like there there's there's but this reporter was like, "Oh, his mind totally changed because he saw just how dangerous somebody can be with a knife I mean, there was a shooting recently was it in philadelphia where the where the guy had the knife, and people were like, he shouldn't have been shot. I'm like, dude you just, you just he, he was on he was he was having some kind of 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 mental i don't know if the the politically correct term is psychosis." or not episode let's let's go with that and um andy had a knife and when you've when you've seen hours and hours of this stuff and you see how it turns out you know it 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 it, it's one thing if you have an issue with police using lethal force you know i i could actually respect that position if you have an ethical problem with it i'm just glad you're not a cop but if you're trying to say well they should never ever and under any circumstances use i'm like dude sorry man that's just not how life works it's not how life works you are divorced
0: from reality i cannot ask. In good conscience, a cop to go out there knowing there are risks. And I don't mean all the time. It's not, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're, they're, they can be on edge in many circumstances. It's not like every day they go out there, you know, on the verge of dying, but it is a lottery ticket where if you get those numbers right, you get a bullet. And so I'm not going to ask someone to buy that ticket unless I give them the opportunity to protect themselves in the event the ticket comes due. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. So I see, I see these cops who go out there and I think we need police reform. I think we've got issues with police accountability. I, I've it experienced this be in better. Chicago. Always be better. Absolutely, and at the same time, we just had this video go viral where a woman—I uh, guess the story was—a woman asked these cops to come in and protect her as she was going into her home because she was worried about an ax who was armed. And so the cops are like, "He has a weapon. Let us know where the weapon is." And they' it seems like they're with her to protect this woman. Dude barges in the door and she starts shooting like crazy. This is a reality, man. When 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 you have to deal with the the like the violence and the anger. And so here's what, what ends up happening is we're asking cops to enter the situation, but we're also asking them to essentially throw themselves in the sacrificial dagger in the event that something goes wrong. So you have, I think the, the George Floyd thing was a very, very tragic case with a whole lot of problems. And I do think that uh, Chauvin bears some responsibility for this. That's why I said manslaughter may actually be uh, an actual outcome. And the reason for it, he 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 remained on the neck three minutes after Floyd was unresponsive. And so maybe you argue that the training says that's what you're supposed to do because it allows them to breathe. Maybe your argument is he should have sat him up and then provided rendered aid or something. The challenge is, you know, so like I said, they might actually say manslaughter. Like, you know, you could have done something. You were the one who restrained him. And the restraint was part of the, you know, his reason for death. But you have many circumstances where, well, let me start by saying this. You have many circumstances where cops screw up. Philando Castile, legal gun owner in his car telling the cop i do have my legal gun and the cop panics and shoots him anyway mm. that's messed up but then you have you know these, these circumstances where in that one viral video where these two cops are trying to subdue a guy and then he runs to his door grabs the gun and just shoots both these cops like crazy that that's that's real life these things happen
1: i think is that the video where, where the one cops just starts this he lets out this blood curdling yeah. shriek and then it's just silent after he gets i mean yeah that's that's it's, some it's, chilling stuff it is, you know, but it's you so have to, but bad. you so, have, but you have to be aware of that kind of thing and that kind of danger before you can really offer any sort now, of nuanced opinion on these kinds of matters.
0: And now, and now think about it. So for for all the things I've seen wrong, like you mentioned, was the Michael Scott case. Yeah, cop. Walter Scott. Walter Scott. Sorry. Yeah. Michael Scott is from The Office. Yes. yes. <laughs> Great actor. Not him. Oh, no, care sorry. him. <laughs> uh, Walter Scott was running away, and the cop just looks and then puts a bullet in his back. He went to prison for that. Yes. He got held accountable. I'm glad to hear it. For all these other stories, you got to understand the nuance. And the way I usually put it is, I hear the left say, "Oh, the likelihood they get shot or whatever is slim than none." And I'm like, I, "I, well, no, no, I hear you, I hear you." So what you're saying is, you think these guys should take a job that doesn't pay very well, has crappy hours, and every day is a lottery ticket where if their number comes due, they die? I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna give them a weapon and say, in the event that happens, because we're asking you to do this on our behalf, you defend yourselves. And that means there's gonna be some, some there's gonna be accidents. There's gonna be bad people. And it means it's a part of life. We got We got to figure it out. When when that dude shot, you know, Walter Scott in the back, he got arrested and charged for it. He got he got held accountable, thankfully, because of video. So we need to make sure we're being reasonable. In the event with George Floyd, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think they overcharged the guy, yeah. and I think the the activists want. Retribution. I don't think justice is the right word I, for it.
2: The question is, was he defending himself? I agree with you. Because their job is they need to defend themselves. But was was Chauvin defending himself? He wasn't. It didn't seem like it. No.
0: And, and I definitely think the media and the left makes it out to be substantially worse than it was, especially after we saw the body camera footage. Floyd saying, take me out, put me on the ground, put me on the ground, things like that. But I do think there is a legitimate question where we can have a debate about manslaughter, not murder. Mm-hmm, the murder mm-hmm. charges, I think, are going to fall off because... I think third-degree murder is that you intended to cause harm that resulted in death, Mm. but I don't think. Look, so we can pull this up. We have this tweet from Brandon Stahl. You can actually see this is from the MPD training manual. Apparently, it shows the cops putting their knee on the neck of uh, another officer. It's not a real, uh, uh, you know, submission. This is a training video. YouTube, don't demonetize us. Is this is the police training material? You can see they're trained to do this, yeah, and they're told to do it because. They say, place the subject in the recovery position to alleviate positional asphyxia. The point of putting their knee on the neck is specifically to stop them from suffocating. The question is, George Floyd was put in the custody of these officers. When when the officers assume custody of an individual, they have a responsibility now. Mm -hmm. They have a responsibility to make sure that they're not causing the person harm or creating undue stress and, you know, checking on this individual. I, I will say... The reason it's a tough question is because it was a matter of, uh, it was nine minutes. To me, that's crazy. That's a long time to be kneeling on somebody. Nine minutes. But it was three minutes where Floyd was unresponsive. What was, what should he have done and what was he doing and what, is the, what are the real questions we're trying to ask? <clears throat> Ultimately, I'm not sure prison solves anything. Maybe, maybe mm. he gets kicked off the force because they were like, we need people who aren't going to be, they're going to be more attuned to this. But prison time? I mean, I think that's bold.
1: Uh, I mean... The- prison time it it might make some people feel better but I mean let's be real no matter how this shakes out which you know I I think we're all in agreement that it's not going to be what a lot of people wanted the people seeking retribution wanted to be and you know we we...
0: I think they want first-degree murder
1: but, you know, what they're already primed now, because as soon as, as the lesser charges go through, they're going to say, this is yet another instance of, of the racist, uh, system in America, you know, uh, being unjust toward, toward, uh, black Americans. And, um, you know, I, I, I I'm trying to stave off, uh, this, this creeping nihilism, but, you know, <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of instances where I feel like, you know, there's just, you can't, I should. I guess I shouldn't say can't, but it, I don't I just don't know how you how you walk back from all of this. this the is optimistic. Well, well, this is what's well, funny because I tend to be more pessimistic. But I also feel like, well, if you become demoralized and you become depressed, then they whoever they is, um they then they win. Right. But then, you know, I mean, I, I'm I spend a lot of time down in Atlanta now and um you know at at my job which i which i i won't mention because i don't you know i don't want people to to track me down and and be crazy but you know it, it's my job to enforce a dress code let's let's say that and so the minute that somebody shows up and they're not in dress code and they happen to to not be white they immediately jump to well well you're racist even though and then they then they're like what about that person oh you mean that black person wearing a a blazer and and dress shoes that is in dress code okay if there are black people inside then how is it racist that you can't get inside but that's where people that's where their mind jumps to immediately but this is do they call you racist? Yeah. Oh, oh, Uncle Tom. They, you know, uh. they call me a house Negro. Except they don't. They use the other N word. Mm. Um, you know, it's just the most. One of the guys I work with is South African. I'm like, how much blacker can you get than someone from Africa? <laughs> and yet they call him the same kind of things when he's when he, You know, we're just so enforcing it's about, these rules it's about power. But it's but it's deeper than that though because. You know, I I think about the the average life of a, say, a black kid in America, and, you know, they they wake up in the morning, they, they go to school, and what are their educators telling them? Oh, America is racist, you know, Civil War, Abe Lincoln, MLK. They, you know, their favorite athletes, their favorite comedians, their favorite uh, musicians—they all have this same sort of message. They go on social media, they watch the news; it's the same message. It's, you know, their their relatives, their friends, and family are all saying the same things to them. So this is a constant inundation of this worldview that says that white people are evil, America is racist, and this is generations and generations now. And uh, I, you know, again, in my darker moments, I say, how do you combat that? You know, and and you know, someone like. Someone like me comes along and and here's and here's another irony of it, because when I was a kid, it was the other, you know, people think that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. That is not true at all. But, you know, I grew up in, you know, around working class, you know, sort of more on the poor and and poor, poorer end of things. And because of the way I carry myself, the fact that I had the temerity to uh, turn in my homework on time or at least to try, uh, I was accused of acting white. And now what's happening is that you have this educated class now, this intelligentsia, this bourgeois class or whatever of, of white, but also black people who are also saying the same things about you know, if you're punctual, if you're disciplined, if you're a rugged individualist, then you're striving for whiteness. If you're looking for uh, uh, financial success or whatever, then you're striving for whiteness. So now you're getting it from the bottom and from the top as well. And so I don't know where you, you – you have to find some way to break out of that and escape from it. And, and I don't know what, what those avenues have, are for people. Have you seen that thing from the
0: Smithsonian? Yes! before i even explain <laughs> yes well let, let's let's break it down for the Please, audience tim break it down where it's like scheduling is whiteness and like being on time and working hard saving for the future i saw that and i thought to myself uh, for those aren't familiar like the smithsonian had this chart where it was like a graphic explaining that like i said working hard is considered a, a, a trait of being white i'm like wow white supremacists would completely agree huh. but what i what i thought when i saw this was have they never been to like an african country like people have jobs People have schedules. People work hard. People save for the future. They're racists. They literally yeah. think that like these countries in Africa that function, that have employees and businesses, and that are predominantly black, don't have schedules. Yeah. Don't save money in a bank. Also,
1: you have to imagine that the, whoever created that that poster, I'm sure they had to meet a deadline at some point. <laughs> you know they, they they had to they had to be able to compose uh, uh, compose their sentences properly and make their points. You know it, it's. It, Follow their,
0: their, their, their
1: schedules. Their, their, their schedules. It's, it's this, um, I mean, I had an argument uh, with one of my Harlem roommates, actually, and, and he actually was mad at me. I, you know, I was talking about striving for financial success. He was like, he's like, man, that's just, he reacted, he's, man, that's just another way of striving for of trying to be white, man. And I was like, there's a lot of Nigerian and Japanese businessmen, I think, who disagree with that notion. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but, at how, but how sinister is it? How insidious is it? That these people who claim to be fighting on my behalf say that anything that you could possibly do to improve your life means that you are not really who you are. You know, it's 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 it's, and people and people can't Mm -hmm. see it because, I mean, that's the power of, I don't know, the the leftist brand, the Democrat brand, whatever you want to say. But, you know, I mean, I left the Democratic Party two years ago because I began to say, you know, what these people are not they're not in my corner. They're telling me all these things that are going to lead to a terrible life and a life of of dependency and, and insecurity. And yet they still want me to vote for the politicians that are pushing forward these same things, you know? And, you know, I, I, I I shudder to think of how much money I could have right now. If I just just decided to say, you know what? Everyone's racist. And, and I'm a victim and, um, and donate to my PayPal. (laughs) Exactly. Give me a book deal or, you know, or, you know, Nike, please give me money. McDonald's, please give me money. This, this,
0: This is the funny thing about when they say like grifter and all that stuff. It's like, dude, do you like, you realize the corporations support the leftist narrative. If I wanted a big sponsorship from big brands who paid big bucks, and I was really intending on grifting people, I'd just be a leftist. Yeah, that's like all of these major brands change all their logos to rainbows and and you know candy canes and all that stuff. And I'm I'm sitting here. I'll, I'll be honest. It's not like this show is like far right conservative or anything like that. But I it's just not. I just no sir. Apparently not. Apparently not. No. Then right. what am I doing here? Right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's funny the funny thing bullseye. too. It's like the, the centrist doesn't exist to any of these people. No, it's, no, it's funny. So like I, I, I have uh, you know some descriptions of me say Tim Pool has been variously, variously described as left wing and right wing. It's like maybe it's because I'm a centrist. <laughs> like, they, they, like we're, we, we, some, I think there are some things conservatives got right. I think they're the ones standing up for free speech for the most part right now. Mm-hmm. You definitely got conservatives who are pro cancel culture. They'll say they aren't, but they would, they they would want to cancel people if they had the chance. Yeah. For the time being. There are more moderates and conservatives who are saying, "Hey, don't ban speech." The left, the neoliberal left, for the most part, is anti-speech. Shout out to Jacobin. I know a lot of people don't aren't, aren't fans of them, but for a leftist socialist publication, they've defended free speech for some really abhorrent people, saying right. they'll come for us the moment they cut. You you let them go for them. So I can respect that. I, I don't care where you are on the spectrum. If we believe in freedom, individuality, you know, self-respect, and all that stuff, or like a um, responsibility, I think is just an easier way to put it. Mm-hmm all of that's kind of going out the window these days. Like the whole, the whole idea is that I I guess on the left you are, it's a really, it's a really horrible way to live. You are responsible. Let me put it this way. You have to do what the left wants you to do. And if you screw up, it's your fault. You get no Hmm. benefits for being an individual. You have no right to work. They create villains to keep you in line. But the moment you make a mistake, then you are an individual. Then they do sacrifice you. Then they do come for you. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's, um, I was actually attended uh, what they called a salon. Um, this was in New York City. Um, it was hosted by by uh, an actor friend of mine, a brilliant guy, excuse me, and um, he showed this video where. <laughs> This guy explicitly said, "People tend to focus too much on the individual. We need to focus more on the collective." And I was oh, like, God. well, yeah. I was very silent during that entire <laughs> affair. People were like, "What do you think, black guy?" I'm like, I mean, this is one of those things where you had to walk in, they had, they had these um these bracelets at the door that and you had to put one bracelet on for each mark of privilege that you had. So, you know, if if <laughs> if your if your parents went to college, wear a bracelet if you if you are able to vote wear this privilege bracelet you know if if you have a mother and a father it's just like there's this this i mean it's a secular religion man there's all these like there's self-castigation it's just it's 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 so
0: insane to me i I took the privilege i took the privilege test and i scored very very poorly oh i'm sorry tim very poorly (laughs) yeah so it's like it, it it asks you a lot of these a lot of questions are you religious you know, are you white? Are you male? It's like, what's your gender? What's your race? What's your religion? What was your family's income level? And all of these things. Have you ever been a victim of this, a victim of that? And I'm going through it. And it was like, it's it's like you are very underprivileged or whatever. And I was like, I never knew that. I, I never knew that. Like, I, I guess I understood growing up we weren't rich, but it never mattered.
1: Also, what what is what is the right amount of privilege? You notice nobody nobody ever really dictate or, or or quantifies what that is. You're you're overprivileged or you're underprivileged. But no what is the perfect amount of privilege that we're that we're allowed to have? <laughs>
2: I, I don't know because I know people. You can't
0: quantify. it. the problem.
2: <laughs> I know people that were born in pretty much the same situations. I mean, strong family and part of like they looked like their surroundings. So like they had that familiarity bias. I don't even think it's a racial thing. I think it's like if you're familiar with your surroundings, you know, a, a, someone it looks, looks like, like me in a in a. Brett Weinstein in, in, basically says this. Yeah, yeah, and but they're like losers. No offense to you guys, if you can hear me out there and you know who you are, um, <laughs> but they never made much of themselves. But they had that. They still had that privilege. And then I know people that I had to, sh- I was a huge nerd. I mean, look at me. I, I was like pushed you're around in school. <laughs> I would talk like this in school and people would be like, you're, get out of my, you know, weirdo, weird things. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard, I, but I had, I had some privilege, but you have to strive to make something yourself regardless of what kind of privilege. So the privilege is not going to,
0: it's not going to give you the
2: success. You
0: have to take that. No, yeah. you, know, you know, you know, I, I read something interesting. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, this guy I know, and he said that he was shocked he was not that he said, it's shocking that we don't teach Juneteenth in schools. And I said, bro, they taught me Juneteenth in school. I think the issue is your school didn't teach you Juneteenth. So I don't know where you went to school in the city. Yeah, we we we, we talked about it. I, I'm not going to pretend like the school celebrated or anything. Mm-hmm. But I remember like opening up the book and then reading about, you know, this history. And I think the issue was like where he grew up in his community Perhaps his community didn't – like, there's certain stories and certain things they didn't think were as relevant, so they ignore them. It's not like you're going to teach literally every child, every grade school kid about every bit of history. And I thought it was interesting that he said that because I was like, first of all, it shows you that your experience is – is you think your experience is the world's experience. Mm-hmm. You think because they didn't teach you that I wasn't taught or other schools don't. That's just you, man. Yeah. And it's it's, it's really funny because uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Long, the comedian.
1: Uh, I know who he is, but I'm not the. He's like got a new word. bit,
0: and it's brilliant. Where it's basically a therapist telling the woman, no matter what she does wrong, she should tell the world to change instead of her. So he's like, <laughs> when when she's like, you know, I can't seem to find a good guy. He's like, have you considered writing an article telling men what they can do better? But it's a it's a good point because when I hear people say like, why aren't schools teaching this? I'm like, bro, they do. Not yeah. all of them, and not yours. So maybe there's an argument. But then why don't we teach the holiday more? You know what I mean? Like you choose what you think matters to you. See the problem? I'm not here to to disrespect anybody's struggles or plights, and I also don't know what what history is more important based on privilege. Is the Holodomor ignored because it was white people? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The coalition of communities of color said that Slavs Slavic people are are people of color now. So does that mean that we are ignoring a, a genocide of people of color in in the Holodomor by not teaching this to grade grade school children? Or does it make sense because Juneteenth is literally an American, you know, uh, a holiday in forty-seven states, and it should be more prominent in this country. Well, the, these, are, these are just conversations. Well,
1: yeah, right. So, like, I work backwards, right? So, we were talking before we came on air. You know, I'm I'm binging a lot of Thomas Sowell right now, and and he goes in on what he calls intellectuals, the intelligentsia, and how they and and visions of the world. You know, I think everyone should read *A Conflict of Visions* to sort of get a grasp on. It's, it's Soul's attempt to highlight the, the roots of the ideological, uh, uh, fissures of our time. And he talks about, uh, the intelligentsia in terms of journalism and journalists and how they tend to filter out, uh, facts that are inconvenient to, to their own vision. So, you know, why don't we teach the Holodomor? Well, it's, it's inconvenient to the, the leftist vision of the world, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and Juneteenth
0: isn't. So they're bringing it up now.
1: And then, and then, um, talking about, who you know they're not they're not teaching this in schools. I mean, I remember there, there was some tweet about uh, um, uh, people like to forget about Emmett Till. I'm like, who is who has not been told about Emmett Till? Everyone knows who Emmett Till is. I don't know who is not teaching that um, teaching that. But it, it, again, it's, it's like you I know, you who it, is it? Are you serious? Yeah. No. See, this is a good point though. Like, wow. Well, so so Emmett Till was this kid uh, who basically he. Was accused of whistling at a white woman. This was back in the the fifties, I want to say, and he got the crap beat out of him. Beat out of him. You can find pictures online of his corpse. It's it's beaten beyond recognition. You know, they 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 beat him. They they threw him. In, you know, they threw him in a body of water. I mean, it was it was awful. It was horrible. But every person I've met, except for Ian, apparently, knows that story. And uh, but this idea, like we're not teaching this, is 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 wrong. The last thing I want to say, just working back a little bit. Wow. Is that Juneteenth? June should be Black History Month. The one stereotype, that, <laughs> the one stereotype I'll, that I will accept about Black folks is that we do not like the cold. They gave us the shortest, <laughs> coldest that's month nice. to celebrate and, and, all to celebrate our history. Why June's is that? Nice. And, and that's you, just ridiculous to th- me.
0: But but even better when you said June June should be Black History Month. I'm like, that is the month of Juneteenth. Like, exactly. It, it makes sense. Good, it makes. I'm launching a
2: campaign right now. No, I'm kidding. Can you guys briefly <laughs> per, and forgive my ignorance? Explain Juneteenth and the Holdemore. Can you explain those really quick? Oh, God.
1: Holodomor basically uh, Stalin, uh, lots of policies that led to uh, starvation of millions of Ukrainians. Um, the New York Times, uh, famously uh, under a journalist named Walter Duranty, who has an award named for him. And <laughs> this guy later won a Pulitzer Prize, which the New York Times has not rescinded. Wow. Um, he deliberately filtered out, as I said before, the information about the Holodomor. Uh, and meanwhile, there was another British journalist and I, ah, I, I wish I remembered his name, but he was actually reporting what was going on and he got smeared and so impoverished.
0: Long story short, Holodomor was a genocide of Ukrainians, the Soviet Union- took all their food away from them basically and they all just started starving to death it's brutal horrific and
2: juneteenth i've heard a lot
0: about it but i would love for some clarification oh
1: i i don't remember what it is it's like it's like the uh, emancipation it's uh, the it's
0: it's essential. it's the june 19th a celebration of the the day i think i could be wrong the day the uh the union marched in texas and enforced the end of slavery officially it was like the last person who was still enslaved got like oh finally and there's a move to make it a national holiday so, interestingly, in more recent times, 47 states already have it as a holiday. Oh. And I got to be honest, I, I think we should absolutely, as a nation, celebrate Juneteenth. Yeah, I, re- no, I really it's, do. It's a,
1: it's a significant event.
0: It's, it's Independence Day, man. Yeah, and right, and yes. I've heard the leftists talk about how it's like day you know, we finally said this is the end of slavery. And I'm like, dude, absolutely. Like, it was a, hor- it's, it's a horrible thing. And I'm all about, you know, more celebrations for America and the things we've done right. So the fourth of July, I'm down. You mean I get another one a month before to celebrate? You know what I'm saying,
1: do you know? Do you know? Do you know how much barbecuing is going to happen? Yes. If we put Black History Month in June, yes. all right, man. Come on, man. It's just, just make make it happen. up so
0: K- make it happen. Right. So, the, 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 you know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the issue I take with a lot of the critical race theory, a lot of the leftist approach to things, is like I'm. You know, I, I did an hour-long documentary on Ferguson and Pruitt-Igoe and public housing and the racial covenants of St. Louis, systemic racism, institutional racism. And, and you know, when I, when I sit down with conservatives and Trump supporters and actually have conversations as, like, human beings sitting down together to have discussions, we actually come to an understanding of each other's views and politics and understandings. And if there's something like Ian wasn't familiar with Juneteenth, I'm not going to pretend to be the expert. I probably got some of it wrong, but I'll just be like, oh, so it's basically this. So when I talk to conservatives, treating them as humans and good people who just, you know, maybe don't understand, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Like, surprise, surprise, when you actually sit down with someone, and have a conversation with them, they'll be like, oh, they may still be like, well, I disagree with these particular points. So the issue I take is, we just basically said on this show, Juneteenth should be a national holiday. We should have tons of barbecuing. And the problem with a lot of the mainstream left is that they need the conflict. Like, mm-hmm. when you mentioned your mm-hmm. roommate who said, you know, you know, you're just trying to, like, act white or whatever that was, it's like they've, they've created the villain that those of us who are fighting for civil rights and have for a long time in social justice are trying to do away with this idea that people are villains based on race. Mm-hmm. We want to be like, no, 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 people are villains because they're bad people with bad ideas, and they want to hurt you. But there are good people of all different races, and there are bad people of all different races. But I think the people who want power in politics, and sometimes it's Republicans. I think Republicans have a lot of, a lot of faults. But Democrats absolutely love using race as a wedge to drive uh, uh, a, a push for power. And I'll give you a really good example. They complain the Republican Party is too white. It's a bunch of white men, they say. And then when the RNC had several prominent black bunch conservatives, black people. Yeah. they insulted them yeah. and, and called them all the awful racial slurs. And I'm like, so you asked them to do better. The Republicans were like, absolutely, you're right. <laughs> and then you insulted the people who spoke like, dude. I can complain about Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and the, and the weak Republicans. The phrase Republican leadership is an oxymoron. I think everybody watches know I say this all the time. The Democrats are something else. You know, Mm. I grew, I grew up in Chicago and I feel it's probably one of the reasons why I have a bias very much so against Democrats. I think it should be obvious to anybody. So I grew up in a Democrat run city. I was personally screwed over by Democrats as somebody who was, you know, essentially a liberal living in the city. Mm-hmm. Republicans mm-hmm. didn't affect me in any way. I watch Mitch McConnell. And what does he do? He goes, slow down there, Democrats. And then he obstructs <laughs> things. I was talking to a Democrat friend, and she was just saying all he does is sit on things and stop things from happening. And I'm like, right. And the Democrats actually do stuff. They do stuff that's either bad for us or they do like or, or they don't do what we want to do and they do bad things. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Like you get Joe Biden, $2,000 checks. Everyone says, yes, fine. They agree. And then he doesn't do it. And he goes and bombs Syria instead. Mm-hmm. And again, I know. You know, Donald Trump, missile strikes, drone strikes, all the bad stuff too. There's, a, there's there's a lot to uh, unpack, breaking down all of that stuff. But ultimately, I really do feel like the Democrats are worried if we actually had the conversation where it was like, "Oh, I don't really care about race or gender or and that stuff. I think people are, you know, should be treated respectfully, and and you know, we should come together and and fight for common causes, particularly class issues." Oh, that's bad news for them.
1: Well, I'm I'm convinced that most of us in this country agree on a lot of things there are some hot button issues like like abortion for instance that are just really emotional and people have very divergent views on that but i think we agree on more things than we are led to believe and i say all the time get off of social media uh get off of don't stop watching the news and just start talking to people and you'll see just how you know when i when i uh left uh, when i left new york city uh the the dystopian wasteland that it's now become um, and, I, and I went to a city like Atlanta and, you know, I was so heartened by just talking to people who are not in this progressive bubble, who they have they're connected to life in a way that people in New York City are just are just not. And they have concerns that that, you know, that that New Yorkers just don't that aren't that aren't really they aren't really privy to. And going back to your point about about Democrats, you know, one of the reasons that that motivated my my uh, deregistering from the party. You know, I mean, as a black person, you're just expected to be a Democrat, but you, you, I, I, you can't honestly ignore the fact that you have all of these, uh, cities that have, uh, large black populations that, um, that are afflicted with blight, all kinds of disparities, you know, between rich and poor, you know, crime. And they're run by Democrats. In many instances, they're run, they've been run by Democrats for decades, and yet people still keep supporting them. So, and, and, you know, and, and I got backlash on Twitter when I'm like, you know, well, I'm not gonna vote for Democrats just automatically. They, 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 they're taking our vote for granted. They, they piss on your face, and they're telling you it's raining. They do it all the time, and, and black people just eat it up. And I just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm all about black empowerment. But for me, my empowerment is, you know, not, Not automatically subscribing to any one worldview or any party. It's like, you know, you want to earn my vote, then earn my vote. Don't just assume that I'm going to go there and you you can just say things and be like, oh, white people, white people, white people. And I'm going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just go along with it. I'm that guy.
0: I'll tell you what I see. I see a big part of the problem is, right? So you said everyone you've met knows about Emmett Till. Ian didn't. I was talking about my friend who said, you know, I'm surprised people don't teach about Juneteenth. And I'm like, they taught us when we were in school. Yeah. The irony: what, These people, these, these progressives and these leftists, and many of them, I get it, good-natured, righteous indignation. Yeah. The problems they're talking about are in Democrat-run cities, like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah. So when you complain about police brutality, you're not talking about rural Idaho. You're talking about New York City. When you mention mm. stop-and-frisk, New York City. When you talk about racially segregated neighborhoods, like redlining, that was Chicago—the red line. It's the train line. It's called the red line. They called it redlining. These things were all happening in cities run by Democrats for like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe you got issues. I, I, look, I've been to conservative parts of the South, very racist places. Mm-hmm. I've been, to, I've been to a lot of them. Uh, people, people have their own worldviews based on where they live, and I think one of the issues is that these these progressives live in cities. And then they treat the whole country like a city block in Manhattan. And they, they do it
2: oh, with the media. Like, the, the media gets into all the cities. It's even, like, culture... Politics downstream from culture, you know, mm-hmm. fantastic concepts. They, So they'll,
0: like, they'll go to a bar in Manhattan and then attribute their experience to
2: rural Idaho. And then they'll make a commercial and show it on TV in rural Idaho and start messing with people. And it's, it's
1: so insidious. Well, it's, it's so... <sighs> Having spent 15 years in New York, I mean, you... you... It's such uh, it's such an enveloping experience, and even I have to stop myself from uh, from uh, I have to remind myself that not you know this is just a really unique place to be, and not everywhere is like this, and not everywhere should be like this. And you know, New Yorkers, you know, they think they're smarter than everybody else, and and they think that everywhere should be like New York. But then when you leave New York, people are like, "Man, I like New York." Cause I don't care. You from New York. Wait, right, you, you know, you, you Yankee, yada yada yada. Like they, they just, they just don't care. Nobody thinks that nobody thinks that, that New Yorkers are as cool as New Yorkers do. Yeah, and were you in Manhattan? Oh yeah, people oh, yeah. in Manhattan were like, Brooklyn's not New York.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but everyone, everyone in the, in, everyone in New York agrees, Staten Island isn't New York. Even people from Staten Island. <laughs>
1: well, but but also there's this. I mean, it's. I've, I've spoken to people, brilliant people who, you know, they say, for instance, you know, I don't like those flyover country people. People who have grown up in the lap of affluence and privilege say, I don't like these. But I'm like, dude, as soon as you leave Manhattan, the rest of the state is pretty red. Right. You know, I mean, I, you, you can go upstate, you know, and you can find, you can see Trump signs. I mean, you know, it, it, maybe even a Confederate flag or two, you know, maybe. Yeah. And it, it's, so I'm like, dude, you, you're, you're, you're even, they're bubbles they're they're, they're, they're in they're the getting, bubbles you're but, crapping but on your own people
0: they're they're in bubbles and the bubbles are actually getting smaller and sp- smaller in physical space but denser in population yeah so you go outside new york even a couple miles it's red
1: yeah you start yeah. seeing
0: a bunch of republicans and trump supporters
1: and i'll say you know, i'll say this too um just in terms of the the covid response i mean that that in and of itself i mean i feel like i have a bit of a unique experience in terms of Having lived in the city at the start of the pandemic, I was one of the people, I mean, I was sanitizing my mail and my groceries back in January and February, man. I was, I was stocking up on food. I was telling my friends and family, I still have nitrile gloves left over from when I, from when I uh, stocked up on supplies. Someone on Twitter was like, so that means you robbed? Uh, 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 medical professionals of like much needed gear I was like oh my god but but you know but then you go that's to what they were saying back then man they were but don't wear masks they said I that's know. crazy yeah thanks uh, Sergeant General but then when you go to um, a place like Atlanta where it's, it's way more relaxed and then you come back to New York I mean New York right now um, I mean I'm in this chat group on on Twitter uh, and it's a lot of lefties and liberals who are against uh, the, the lockdown uh, measures and a lot of us are in New York a lot of us met up in New York last time I was there and I'm, you know, if you live in New York City, you are inundated every moment of your life once you leave your, your, your apartment, your, your shoebox. With you know, there's arrows on the ground telling you where to walk. There's little circles telling you where to stand. You know, inside Whoa. and outside. There's there's advertisements everywhere telling you to wear your mask. There's train announcements. There's digital advertise. There's it's every it's everywhere. Get you know, get your vaccine. Stay away from each other. Mask up. Don't wear it underneath your nose. Where I mean, it's just it's constant. It's constant. It's constant. Then you go to Atlanta, and I mean, I make this point on Twitter. Like you can go get a lap dance in Atlanta right now, and. No one cares. You know, I mean, I work at a nightclub down there. No one's wearing masks inside because they want to get out and party. And like, they, it's not that they don't care. It's just that, you know, it's, it's just a whole different vibe. And then you come to New York and everyone is like walking around outside with their masks on and, and they're just, they're, they're afraid and, and they're not socializing. And it's, it's a totally different world, but they don't know it because they're in this bubble yep. in New York and they just, and they watch the news all the time and they just, they, so they don't they, know.
0: You look at the, like, uh, in response to Texas opening up. You get Michael Moore and Keith Olbermann saying, Take the vaccines away from Texas. <laughs> Everyone's gonna like, die. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's like, dude, you realize like just just like a little bit less than half of Texas votes Democrat. Like they like it was very close between, you know, was it Beto and Ted Cruz who yeah. they were running? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. It was like pretty close. And so a bunch of even leftists and Democrats were like, guys, please. There are Democrats who live in Texas. You don't want any of them to die. And they were like, there was one tweet from this guy. And he was like, furthermore, Republicans shouldn't die either simply because they voted for a Republican. That's yeah. insane that these prominent progressives say this. But look at, you know, look at who these people are. Limousine liberal Keith Olbermann and Michael, you know, Michael uh, Moore. They live in the, the bosom of wealth in ultra liberal cities. I don't exactly know where they're living right now, but they're totally in this weird bubble surrounded by other weirdos who think this is popular opinion. And even regular, like even media Democrats who have all of their biases, we always complain about them. We're like, dude, 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 come on! Like, we don't want Republicans to die from the virus. Yeah, we can complain about the governor and stuff, but like, Florida's been open the whole time, and I'm like, here, here, dude! Like, I agree, man. I think it's just one of the problems is that you have personalities like this, like like Alderman, like Mo- like Moore, who it's it's the definition of a grifter. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they love to point the fingers in my direction. And I'm like, dude, I'll just say whatever I feel like saying Michael Moore trying to rile people up to the point where he actually says, take the vaccines away or maybe they shouldn't have vaccines. And Keith Olbermann saying they shouldn't have vaccines. I'm like, not even not even leftists were like saying that because you actually have people on the left who have opinions. I disagree with some of their opinions. I agree with some of their opinions. And I think many of them genuinely believe what they believe. Mm. But I look at people like Oberman or Moore when they say, say, say stuff like that, I'm like, they don't believe any of this. They're just saying what they think will rile up enough people to get a bunch of retweets and it worked.
1: Well, they're, they're part of, they're part of the quote unquote intelligentsia. And you know, I, I also notice a trend among a lot of these people. I mean, I often say that Twitter is a place where you, you, you can get away with saying things that would get you punched in the face in real life. And I'm, a lot of these so-called radicals or whatever, there, there's, a, there's a guy that I follow. Um, I, I follow him explicitly because I disagree with him so vehemently. He's, he's a socialist. I'm not going to say what his name is. But, you know, he's he's tweeting the most overheated, hyperbolic, melodramatic rhetoric about, you know, we have to overthrow the capitalistic system. And, you know, every time there's a black person holiday, he's like, you know, Malcolm X. And then you watch a video. <laughs> You know, and he's just the most I mean, how? I mean, I don't know how to, how to describe it, but, you know, he just he sounds like this. And da, 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 da. I'm like, of course, you sound like that, because when it when 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 the revolution goes down, you ain't going to be nowhere to be found. You you know, you like if you, you, you he's going to be one of those people who's like he's going to have a gun and be like, oh, I don't I don't know what to do with, with this. And oh, people are punching people like I don't know what to do. It's the it's the softest people who have the most S to talk. It's all, you, like, every time.
0: You know, start, like, I've been, I've been getting more, I, I became more of a gun person in the past year because of, the, most because of the riots. <laughs> yes, you have. I, uh, I'm,
1: I'm finding bullets just randomly
0: around the house, by the way. It's, it's actually pretty hilarious. Well, they're not, it's not random. It's not random. Okay. <laughs> you know, no, no, it is, it, it is strategic. <laughs> let, uh, let me out but, I, but I won't get into too much detail because, you know, security at the house and everything like that, but it isn't random. And I started, you know, I, going to the range, we mentioned this earlier in the show, like, give someone a handgun who's never fired before man will they not be able to make it work and so the people who there's a lot of new gun owners a lot of a lot of liberals went out and bought guns mm-hmm. and i hope 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 any of you listening who are new gun owners you go take some classes you go to a local range you ask people to give you all the tips in the world because you do like you need to respect you know, like what, what it means to be well versed in the rules the safety uh how to actually shoot when the revolution comes A lot of these people who are, you know, on the left, they're not going to know how to operate a gun at all. No. And so there's a joke where a lot of conservatives say this. They were like, I I, I can't remember exactly what the joke is. I'm sure people listening will know it. But it's something like, you know, thank you to all of the uh, liberals who are buying supplies. You're collecting them for the people who own guns, you know, which is like the conservatives, because when it really comes down to it, what are you going to do, you know, when when people are, are, are getting violent? It's the, it's the craziest thing when I have these conversations with people and they don't think anything bad is happening because we are truly frogs in a pot boiling. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people saying like, Tim, you were scaremongering about civil war or whatever. And I was like, yeah. And then like 800 people stormed into the US Capitol building, I guess. So was I wrong? Like I didn't say the apocalypse was going to happen. Apocalypse was going to happen and like we were going to see meteors fall from the sky and the whole planet was going to blow up. I said people are going to start escalating the, the, the violence and the tensions. And it's literally happening, and I don't see any reason why it would stop at this point because they're still just ramping
2: things up. It's kind of like a global civil war. This fi- this fifth—I was going to call it fifth-dimensional, fifth-generational war—but it doesn't have to be world war. One country, world. yeah, but it's like a civil world war, like it's an economic world war hmm. or a political world war right now.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's a weird time of of upheaval. You know what I mean? It's it's very very it's weird. It's unique, and and I think that's the issue too. Is too too much. We, we, we have that saying, right? Those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Well, there should be another saying where it's like, those who think the future will be based on the past, 100% are fools. I don't know. It's not a good quote. But you get the idea, right? You can't look at 1860s and be like, that's going to happen today. It's like, Dude, what are you talking about? We have phones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have the internet. <laughs> like, it, there's just... You
2: have artificial intelligence. This is like... Yeah, seriously.
0: And and, and nuclear bombs. You know, it's not going to be the same conflict. You know, uh, back in the day, I love talking about this because it's a point a lot of people don't realize. Could you imagine during the Civil War sending a message from D.C. to like Fort Sumter and you're like, how do we get a message there? Put it on horseback and then it'll be there in a week. Today, it's like, let me just text Jim. Mm -hmm. Yep, you got the message. All right, they're moving out. It's just like the instant instantaneous transmission of information has changed everything. Totally, totally. So what we experience is going to be very, very different. It's not going to be, you know, like the past.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know how things are are going to work out. I mean, I I am curious. um, What is his name? Michael Malice, who talks about uh, you know, all this chaos is actually good because on the other side of it, um, you know, we're going to come out better for it. And maybe Maybe he's right. I mean, maybe maybe that's part of why people like me are, are popping up because we're saying, you know, more and more of us are saying, like, no, this is not OK. I, I don't uh, I'm not OK with the way things are going. Um, but at the same time, whatever happens in terms of getting to that place, that whatever that that proverbial better place might be. I mean, maybe that it that actually not to think about it, that might be another form of utopianism in, in a way. It's like, you know, what's on the you other know, side of that? It's no place.
0: You ever watch Star Trek? No, I,
1: I watched The Next Generation like back in the day. Great but, show. Best, but, know, one of the yeah. best shows ever made.
0: Yeah. One yeah. of my all-time favorite shows. And I'm just like – I look at this vision of the future where you've got people of all different race and species. They work together. Mm-hmm. There's alliances. And I'm just imagining like this this era, this 90s-era liberalism that truly believed in treating people based on the content of their character resulted in this idea – and it wasn't even nineties. I mean, you go back to the original Star Trek and they had like the first interracial kiss right, with you yeah. know, Uhura, Uhuru, I
1: think. Yeah. Right. Uhura?
0: Uhura. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong one. Sorry. Line. Oh no. Oh, oh. They're
1: all gonna come they're gonna come after me now. The yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But so so it was always fairly progressive. And then in the nineties, it 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 brings about this 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 vision of a future where people are all getting along and judging people on the content of their character. Could you imagine Star Trek today, where it's like an alien race comes in. They're like, how many arms do you have? Okay. You have no arm privilege, but you are psychic. Or you have psychic privilege. And it's like a show based on that worldview would just be, it would just be like the most painfully dystopian nightmare. Yeah. Not a good idea for a future. I like this idea where we're all just like, we're going to get on a spaceship and go to space. I don't care what you look like. Can you press the button? Great. Let's do
1: it. You know what I mean? I feel like the, the the previous show that you mentioned, however, even though nobody would watch it, I guarantee you would get at least a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: <laughs> I, I I should and probably be showered film with that awards. Skin. Oh yeah. It would be like one percent audience rating, but like one hundred percent certified fresh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think I think we should uh, uh film a, a sketch like that, but yeah. not be explicit in the comedy of it. Like literally just make woke Star Trek as like a short, like three-minute little little bit and just s- See if that happens. Take this it seriously. Really, take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, like the captain has to be like a disabled person of color who's non-binary and, you know, because a privilege is not going to be given to the white male or whatever and then a certain species comes in and it's like a floating mass and it has no legs, it has no color and so the like it has no known privilege, you know. And that would be thing. that
1: would be excellent. I think I think the um I think the the captain should be <laughs> Oh gosh. It should be a, a a fat black transgendered paraplegic in a hijab. That should be the captain of this of this Star Trek series.
0: Well, I think, you know, taking it seriously, it uh all of the cultures and everything of the United States of of, of this I'm not the United States of, of the of the world coming together, and I think that's actually a legitimate uh, uh depiction of a future captain. I think that's like the vision they have for it. Yeah. You know, South Park did it as a bunch of olive-skinned bald people who went. The feature people. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 listen. Let's I, we gotta. You know, we we skipped over Cuomo basically, but it's fine because that conversation was way was was better. Yep. in my opinion, we got we got to do this story though. We have to. From USA Today, Burger King <laughs> UK under fire for tweeting. I can't read this quote. I'm gonna break the quote up so that no one claims it came from me. <laughs> Women belong, and this is Burger King. In the kitchen, and that's what Burger King said. All right. Now I break it up that way because someone's going to try and pull it out of context and try and make it seem like I'm the one saying that I do not believe women belong in the kitchen. I'm actually not. I am a I'm a proponent of uh, uh, women succeeding in the workplace and getting beautiful salaries and you know uh, running companies. Uh, 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 more to the point, we can all be proud of the fact that the military industrial complex is now run, run by, by women. women. Exactly. Yeah. Great strides. ...in blowing up children. Women are killers too, everyone. Oh yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Hey, hey, hey. You know, but to be serious, they can be. You look at how the prison system handles women and they treat women with they, they get less harsher penalties. They get less... len-
1: more lenient sentences than men. Absolutely. Do for the same no, crimes. women
0: can be murderers and criminals and all that really awful stuff too. They can be warmongers and and uh you know, weapons manufacturing and all that stuff. And Burger King thought it would be a good idea <laughs> to claim that they believed women they believe belong in the kitchen. So, USA Today writes Burger King's attempt to highlight gender disparity in the restaurant industry with a prov- provocative tweet appears to have backfired. <laughs> on Monday, which is also international <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> on International <laughs> Women's Day, Burger King tweeted this out. Yep, yep. Some I I just I can't believe it. A bunch of like nationalists And, like, pro-Western personalities are saying, like, thank you, Burger King, for saying what (laughs) needs to be said. This is exactly what women need to understand. And it's like, oh, geez. And the left is saying, you know, apparently Burger King is defending themselves. They're like, it was a good tweet that is bringing attention to the issue that only 20% of culinary professionals are women. And then the left is just like, so why did you have to tweet this sentence which is not in any way conveying the message you think it is. If if
1: if it had been me, I would have uh, I would have said that uh, I just would have called myself Burger Queen for a day, and then maybe that would have been okay. Yeah, what, what, oh, you know, that's a good idea. Bur- just, Burger Queen. Just call Burger Queen. Queen. Just yeah, Burger yeah. Queen for a day. That's a good idea. And I should just, hire you for marketing. You know, I, I don't think they should. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I saw it, and I was like, "This is." This is hilarious. And of course, my, 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 my first thought was, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I we got to keep it family, family friendly. It's, it's, it's so, it's so difficult for me. But, but it's, it's just, it's just this, this idea that, um, you know, it's like, well, I, I, I guess they, they could be in, in the kitchen if, if they truly want to be. What if they're choosing to be, uh, in, in the kitchen? You know, of Women- course, when I let them out basically the basement.
0: <laughs> That's right. Women have been Tina. fighting for thousands <laughs> of years to to get out of the kitchen and fight the patriarchy with a single tweet Burger King is trying to put them back in the kitchen. I know, I know. How how dare they? No, but it's it's even funny too. Like so what Burger King is basically saying is that culinary professionals tend to be men. And I'm like even even to that regard like is is it possibly because we have socialized to the point where we're telling women not to take these jobs and to be professionals and go and work for bigger corporations? Like we have been screaming to our children you know particularly young young girls be the ceo mm-hmm. be the high powered attorney be the executive and so i mean these things have consequences so now we're we're 20 years later and you have a bunch of women who are going to school specifically for jobs that will make them a lot of money and give them a lot of power in corporations not culinary arts i think i think for a lot of people working as a chef in like the culinary industry it's very much about a passion for mm-hmm. cooking and baking and and creating food, and when you take when when you take these kids and you tell them you'll you won't be respected, you won't make money, don't do it. What happens? You get a bunch of people who are like, "I'm going to do what I what I have fun doing and what I enjoy doing." You have the stigma for the most part for young women being told you have to do more because you won't have respect unless you take these jobs. Men aren't hearing that, so they're like, "I love cooking. I'm going to go cook."
1: Well, it's it's the strangest phenomenon, and you know, I've, <clears throat> I'm at an age now where I. I see a lot of uh, new mothers and I I become uh, disturbed on their behalf because they actually feel guilty that they want to spend more time with their children. And I'm thinking to myself isn't the whole point of all of this is to is to provide you with options so that if you choose to you can stay home. And I I I think this also speaks to something deeper and it's sort of related to COVID in a way like the 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 instinct that so many people seem to have to want to stay just stay indoors and stay away from just living their lives This this devaluation of life i mean my my thing is yeah you know it's great if you have all these degrees and all these accomplishments but a i mean every every new father i've met has said yeah you know I, i i i i Gotta keep working. I wish I could stay, I wish I could stay home and be with my kids. Like, they understand the sacrifice that they're making, but I, I don't find as many women who, who understand that sort of cost benefit now. I, and I, I wonder if it's because they've been told all their lives that they need to succeed. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we've known, you know, you can't take it with you. You can't take all your degrees and all your money with you, but your children do live on after you. Yeah. I was doing these, um, these uh, Shakespeare sonnets and a lot of them have to deal, have to do with uh, just fertility and uh, um, carrying on your, your legacy and your lineage and they're, they're very wise you know they're, they're these 14 line poems and within each of them you know he's addressing you know somebody and at least in this first chunk of them he's talking about you know well you're young now but you're not always going to be young and when one of the best ones he says you know well when you are old if you have children then your, then your own youth and that, and the joyous time that you had in your youth will be reflected back to you. And you can, and you, and that youth will live in, your own youth will live forever through the youth of your children. They
2: actually call passing your wealth down to your child succession. And that's success. I mean, the word mm. success comes, when you s- succeed, you're sending all of your things to the next generation.
1: But even then, it's like, you know, even if we're just talking about material wealth, I mean, what other kinds of wealth are there? There's, you know, what your philosophical wealth, your, you know, emotional wealth, you, 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 your your ideas, your 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 philosophies on life. Then these are also things that you can pass down to your children that that you can't you can't earn in a workplace or at a university.
0: You know what blows my mind is we hear about this trope where people are on their deathbed and they say, you know, a person on their deathbed never wishes they spent more time at the office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The one thing we always hear is they wish they spent more time with their family and their friends and their loved ones. There's a story I was reading on Reddit a long time ago. It's about a guy who said that his, I think it was his grandmother showing him photos of uh, him and his, you know, like, uh, of his uncles and his aunts or whatever at the Grand Canyon or something. And it was just a picture of the Grand Canyon. That was it. And the grandma looked at it and she was like, this is when, you know, I was with your aunt and uncle at the Grand Canyon. And then she paused and said, why did I take a picture of the Grand Canyon? I don't care about the Grand Canyon. I care about your 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 uncle hmm. and your and your aunt or whatever and then he was like now that, that was a uh, the guy wrote the story he was saying that was like a profound moment for me where from now on whenever i do anything the photos are always of the people i'm with not the things we've done or the or the places we've been to that's peripheral that's the outside the memories we have are the people we love and care about so i'll tell you what what really freaks me out what i'm worried about when we constantly tell women that they should be career women that they're they're, they're you know there is a feeling some women have of social stigma. I'm not saying all women. I'm not saying it's something that every woman experiences. But I've seen uh, the conversations from from women who are concerned that if they want to be just a homemaker, they'll be in some ways socially inconvenienced or face a detriment. Like they could get divorced and then how do they you know, take care of themselves? Mm-hmm. They won't have respect from their peers. The issue I see is that men don't have the same biological limitation on having kids. Yeah, You could be a 50-year-old men and have kids. But women do have that limitation. There are ways to mitigate that with like freezing eggs and things like that. But that is something men don't experience. So I look at these stories and I'm wondering if like the reason why perhaps I don't know. I don't think it's true. I'm just it's something to consider if people want to make sure they're happy. If maybe the reason why many women aren't in the culinary arts is because they're being driven towards certain professions. Men won't be negatively impacted. They can trounce about, waste time, travel Europe. And just do whatever they want because they can choose to have a family at you know any point. Yeah. And mm. these are there. There are very different realities for women. Call it the patriarchy. Call it whatever you want. But there are certain privileges to, to to being a man in terms of how much time you have to figure things out.
1: One of you know I. I have so much compassion because. Um. I, I feel like women have a lot of big decisions to make about how they want their lives to be. And they have a limited window in which to make those decisions. And they also uh, need to make those decisions at a time where they don't really have the wisdom. You know what I mean? None of us have the wisdom when we're 22. Or the wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You'd be a 50-year-old guy and have a bunch of money in savings. But now I can afford a kid.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking regarding restaurant work and men and women that, in my experience, they would stuff men in the kitchen and women on the front. In the counter, because women were beautiful and made people want to buy more, and men were could handle the heat and the grease and the steam, and it's physically toxic, basically. So it might be a kind of job that men's bodies are just because, like it's like working in the iron mine. Like you put the men in
1: the iron mine. Well, that's the patriarchy, but this it's also
2: biological that- in a way. I don't know too much
1: I'm about. Sorry. it. I'm sorry, too Ian. D- are you implying room. that there's there are differences between men and women? Brett Weinstein.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, just genetically, yes. Let's get Brett in trouble whenever we have a... <laughs> Some, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Brett, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a smart fella, so... Uh, I'm- but I do... I, I would defer to him because it's like, you know, if, if the experts are saying things. But no, I, I think you're right. It's, it's, it is it's biological. Why is it that the service industry is, you know, tends to be female? You go to a restaurant, the serve, the serving staff... It's not always, it's not absolute. There's There's a ton of guys who are waiters. But you'll tend to see women taking service jobs because men will tip more probably or at least as the assumption they do
1: so again at my job i see this play out every single night you have these men that show up of any age really <laughs> a lot of them are older and they're throwing all this money around and you know and i don't judge because i see how the game is played we have all of these uh, these young servers they're in their they're early to mid 20s and they're beautiful and they ha- they each have their guys come in that they- and they have these men wrapped around their fingers. Each of these men come in saying like, "Yeah, I'm here to see you know Tatiana or whatever," and they they think that they you know that that they are special to her for for some reason. Now these guys and they're they're kind of scumbags, so they're going off and they're, they're doing whatever <laughs> they want with other women too. But right, right. But, um, you know just what you were talking about. You know it's, you know they they they're making so much money, um, and you know using whatever that their wiles are. And also a lot of these guys come in, they show up. Now I don't know if they're paying for this company or if they're actually winning this this company uh you know, but you know these guys with money show up with women that are half their age and and it's a really it's 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 the kind of thing that you read about and you're like that that doesn't really happen that often, but then you then you see it unfold, and it's kind of weird, but it's like I guess i kind of I kind of get it that's just sort of how the game was played but it's 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 not something that people like to talk about because it's not politically correct i'm like well there's nothing about uh about the interaction between the sexes that is politically correct
0: right. yeah I, I i can't remember what i was watching but it was like some movie where there was an old guy who hired a lady of the night as it were mm. and he didn't want to hook up with her he just like hung out with her and talked about his day in his life and it was basically like the the plot line was my autobiography he was, he was like 60 years old He didn't have any friends and he liked, you know, he felt he, he got good feelings being the being in the company of a young woman who he could talk about himself and have someone listen to him. And I'm like, for these guys, you call them scumbags, probably. But I don't really see anything all that nefarious or wrong when they show up to this club wanting the attention of these young women and tipping them and giving them money or whatever. You can argue it's transactional or whatever, but mm. they're getting what they want out of it. They're getting emotionally satisfied. Yeah. They're not doing anything illegal. The women are getting uh, uh, resources for providing that level of like emotional comfort to these guys. I mean, so these, I'm like, hey, man.
1: And these girls, I mean, look, they, they, I, we have to walk them to their cars at night because, like I said, you know, not not the best kind of people that that up yeah, these places some, sometimes. But you know, they, they're driving nice cars. They live in they live in nice apartments. I'm like, look. You know, do do what you can while you got it, and you know, make make your money. I hope you 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 know you're studying something else, but that, again, that's how the game is played, and it's, people it's, the people want to shy away from that. But
0: see, this is where the the conversation ignites a whole bunch of the like the the, the gender ideologues. They get really angry mm-hmm. because, like we were talking about, you know, women can only have kids for a certain amount of time. They could freeze their eggs, but there still are even with freezing eggs, there still still are implications for having kids at, at an older age. Yep. And so, what happens is we end up, for a variety of reasons, with the institution of marriage. And, you know, I hear a lot from conservatives, they say that women should uh, be in know, the kitchen, get married young. You know, like I hear a lot from conservatives, they say get, women should get married young. Mm-hmm. And the reason conservatives say this is that as women age, they become less valuable, I suppose. So, that's the idea. It's a tough
1: the, word to use, but yeah.
0: Well, that's like, look, you look at OK Cupid. Well, if you're talking
1: about the, the sexual marketplace
0: right right right. the biology of I'm trying fruition. to be very very precise with my language here yeah we are i think we all are at this right. point <laughs> we we've talked about it with jack ok cupid put out the data set showing that men just message 22 year olds yeah you can think it's bad you can think it's wrong i personally don't agree i i, I don't have that preference for being a 50 year old man I, I would not want to be you know in a relationship with someone that young i'm just would prefer someone closer to my age but that's what the data shows and you can't make all men change like the Ryan Long sketch, you know. <laughs> have you considered telling men writing an article about what, what men can do now? better? Yeah. Well, like it's not going to it's not going to do anything for you, you know what I mean? So this is this is why I think a lot of people would argue that marriage came about this way because it provided security for the woman. Right. So they have access to that man who will provide for them and it's assuming you know, the woman wants these things They're there, you know, by all means, women can do whatever they want. I just think that's one of the reasons it luckily came about. Well, it's funny
1: because then, you know, I, I encounter women uh, oftentimes and, you know, I, and again, I mean, this, it, it's a byproduct of just being a, a curious person. And when you, and when you talk to people and, you know, just non-judgmentally and you ask them questions, you know, and just over the years, I've heard a lot of women say like, you know what? I'm ready to just not go to work anymore and just be and just be kept and and not have to worry about paying bills. And da da, da, da. they would never say that out in public, you know, because they would get shrieked at by by their friends. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that maybe more women than not kind of feel that way. There, there's actually a, um I have to read this paper, but uh, it's called the um, the paradox of declining female happiness, whereas they're as they're. Um, I guess you could say their rights and freedoms have expanded over the past few decades. Since the 1970s, they've been self-reporting ever increasing levels of unhappiness. Right. I think I read somewhere else that um, uh, about a quarter of women are, are on some kind of um, either antidepressant or 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 psych or uh, psych medication or something like that, and you know, and and. Again, I, I talk to I talk to people and, you know, there's all these stresses and all these things and they they're inundated with this news about how everything's wrong and everything's oppressed and everything. So, I'm, you know, I just
0: I don't think it's uh, you mentioned like freedoms, you know, that women have attained. And then we see this inverse. I don't think that's the correlation. Mm. I do think you can say women's rights have expanded. Women's access has expanded. But I think social pressures have come along with it. Right. And where...
1: responsibilities on top right. of that. You know.
0: So, uh, you know, the way I see it is the, the higher levels of unhappiness, and, you know, honestly, you could probably pull up the scientific studies and figure out, you know, what the cause of that is. I, I, so I think freedom contributes to happiness. I think rights contribute to happiness. But then I think social stress and anxiety contribute more so to unhappiness. So I, I, don't, I don't know if it's if, – if, I wonder if you could look at social pressures and social media and find that it affects men and women fairly equally in different ways. Like you, you, you look at young women in Instagram, and you have these Instagram models that are all touched up with Photoshop and everything, and it's resulting in anxiety, stress, and depression. It's social issues that are causing it. Maybe you could argue that if you took away someone's freedom and they didn't have access to these platforms, then they wouldn't be unhappy with them. But I actually, I, I don't, I don't think that makes sense. I think it's just like you know, burning down the house because you had a, you know, a plumbing problem in the kitchen. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think by all means, keep the house, fix the plumbing, find out what the problem is. I think the problem is with unhappiness in general, be it males or females, is social media. It's creating this pressure to conform to certain things, to say certain things, and then you, it results in, like we mentioned before, with people like you know, Keith Oberman saying insane things about taking vaccines away from people in Texas because you don't like their opinions. It results in people advocating for beating others and committing acts of violence because they're increasingly more and more desperate to fit in. Hmm. We talk a lot about how young women are influenced by Instagram. There, there was like so apparently cosmetic surgery based on Snapchat filters or something like this because they want to clean their – yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they want God. Yeah, really creepy stuff. Young women who will will post a photo on Instagram and then not get enough likes and get really depressed and start freaking out it's really negatively impacting these kids, but then how how is it affecting men because I'm sure it absolutely does well
1: as you were speaking, I was thinking um you know and I relate this uh, relate this to myself especially especially as a as a, I guess a former actor i don 't know anymore but you know like I, I follow the rock for instance and I, I mean I love I mean I love the guy I'm a, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan or at least I was uh, back when it was good and they I think, in terms of men and again this might this might lead into sexual dynamics and you know and 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 where people perceive their value to lie, maybe within the sexual marketplace, maybe not, but if we're talking about uh you know women using filters and and beautifying themselves on these platforms and not feeling beautiful enough in comparison to other women. What about these other accounts where you see these men who are you know, I'm starting a business and I have this amount of money. I got flashing this. Flashing lots of cash. Exactly. I got this car. I got this house. I got this and that. So I think a lot of guys are looking at that and they're being like, well, that's not me. I mean, I guess I'm just a big, I'm just a freaking loser, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't got nothing. And then, you know, and then I got all these, all these women are commenting on, the, on, on, on on these posts and so maybe you know that's part of it maybe that's contributing to uh to male um, unhappiness is well, the, the, the the success uh, status the, the status comparison is what i'm getting guys
0: at. not having not having kids guys not having relationships staying home and playing video games all day you know not not advancing i think i i look i don't, don't want to just kind of shift this and dump it all into social media but i really do think social media it's a huge issue is affecting both men and women It's really the education around
2: it, too. Like you said, it's not the freedom that's destroying them. It's their misuse of it. Because, like, you have the freedom to light your body on fire. But you know not to. And if you knew that the it wasn't the filters that made you beautiful, that would help.
0: Some people, you know, look, you got a freedom not to eat a whole ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins, but some people will do it. You know what I mean? And
2: I was also thinking, like, when I would post uh, a video on something of me being like, oh, I feel like crap. You two tweets, two retweets, two likes, and then less people would want to follow me. I post a picture of me on a boat with a bunch
0: of beautiful women. Everybody wants to be my friend. I well, get take take a look at this. What you were saying about these guys, Casey Neistat? You familiar with Casey? Oh uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like
0: one of the he's like the godfather of vlogging on YouTube. Look at his look at his biggest videos with you know fifty million views. What is it? I'm in a luxury first class twenty thousand dollar airplane ticket. You know, mini hotel in a plane. It's, it's a lot of his biggest stuff was flaunting extreme wealth and status. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not saying it disparage him, him in any way. I'm not saying he did it on purpose. I'm saying, you know, he did a, a video vlog where he was flying on an on a, on a, a Emirates flight. It's like a $20,000 ticket. And they give you a room. And apparently there's like a shower in it or something. Like, it's really crazy. Wow. I don't know if that was his video. But his video was like, he has this little little room he's in. And it gets like 50 million views. Because people want to see that status. It's yeah. like it's, it's why we had shows like Lifestyle, the Rich and Famous, and, and Cribs. So very much so, as we've entered this space where you now control your own media outlet, everybody's a public figure, for some reason, and by all means, the feminists can tell me why this is happening. Women have started to focus specifically around beautification, getting likes for their appearance and their bodies. Maybe it's a, Maybe it's a bad thing and they shouldn't do it. By all means, feminists can tell me you know, comment below and say they shouldn't. I'm not asserting my opinion. I'm just saying it's happening.
1: Well, there's also, you know, it, it's the question of power. And, you know, and again, I go back to, you know, my job and it's, it's kind of funny. There's a comedian named Patrice O'Neill who unfortunately passed away many years ago from complications of diabetes. But, you know, he talks about how he, he said, he said, I wish I could just walk around for one day as a beautiful woman because he talks about how, you know, they, they, they could be, the, the plainest person just to have nothing going on for them. But if they look good, they can walk, they can walk around as if they're celebrities. And so I, and so I look at, and so I, again, I'm at this, I'm at this job and I see it every day. There is so much. And, and it's, it's strange. I mean, the, the same thing. I, I try to watch my words because I know that I will also get heat from, from gender activists and feminists. But. To deny the power, the raw power of a, of a beautiful woman and, and the effect that it has on a man. I mean, and, and even other women say like, oh, she's so pretty. You know, what, what do you do? It's, there is something about that. I don't even know if I can put it into words or articulate it, but it, it definitely has an effect. You, you can be, you know, I mean, I, I don't consider myself somebody who, um, I guess by, by the nature of my profession, I'm just, I'm used to being around beautiful women. So it's, it's demystified for me and, and, in a way it's made me even more choosy as far as who I choose to, to to date because I'm like okay well I see all of that but you know what's what's inside what's going on up here what's going on in here but I, I just even, even I am. Sometimes it's like, so hey, but, uh, uh, hey, uh, hi, <laughs> too powerful. It's just <laughs> and, feminine wiles, t- 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 you, t- you know. T- and and it, and honestly, it doesn't even have to be. She doesn't even have to be super duper attractive. She could just have a certain way about her. That's that's you, what we kind of say, you know. And and it can it can completely disarm you, and you just you don't you, you don't know what to, I mean. Antony and Cleopatra, um, um, uh, 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 uh the Shakespeare play. That's it's, that's sort of what it's about. You see this powerful man, this general, this warrior and Cleopatra is at home and she has him wrapped around her finger. Do, it's do you, amazing.
0: Do you have any like male heroes or people you look up to like you're a big fan of? Um I have I have I have a few. Do you ever meet
1: them? Well, a lot of them are dead, but oh, uh, but, but one right right, right now that that um, that I like a lot is is actually Malcolm X. And which is, which I think might surprise a lot of people given my viewpoints. I mean, I'm sure people who follow him would, would call me and uncle Tom and all those other things. But the thing about it in, in his autobiography, in the epilogue or the afterword to it, uh, the, the actor, Aussie Davis, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, he made the point that Malcolm taught us how to be a man when we were not allowed to be men. And there's this clip that he, of, of this, um, uh, this press conference that he gave after his journey to Mecca. And he, um, he was asked about bringing the the case of of racial discrimination and oppression of of, of black americans to the united nations and he he said malcolm said uh, i'm going to paraphrase but he said you know i i i would not be a man if i did not you know pursue this action and, and he repeated I, he's like, I just if i didn't bring this case against the uh, up to the un i would not be a man and so for me um you know even though the concept of of maleness is is consistently derided now um I think there is a, a true power in, in being able to say, this is what I'm standing for. This is what I believe in. And I'll, I'm, I'm willing to put my life on the line to say this. And, you know, it's one of the things that, that inspires me to keep on running my mouth right now. Is like, you know, if I don't say something about this, then I would not be a man, whatever that means. And- or a human. In-
0: or, or, well, but so, well, before, before we go too far. Okay, the, yeah, yeah. The reason I asked yeah. is, you know, you're talking about how you meet this woman and you get tongue-tied. And I started thinking about this a while ago. You know, when they talk about what the average male or female finds attractive, it's like, guys want young, beautiful women, and there's a variety of physical features that men are attracted to. The OK Cupid, Cupid data showed that it's like 22 year old women almost exclusively. Like, no matter how old the guy gets, he always goes for 22 year olds. And then I thought of, okay, well, will they say, like, what, what do they say about what makes women, you know, attracted to a man? Confidence, charisma, and status. And I'm like, so is there, so you mentioned that like a woman could have, a woman could have nothing going on for her, but just be beautiful. And then guys are like fawning all fawning over Fawning all
1: over. Yeah. And I was like, fawning so over. then
0: what's the male equivalent of this high societal value and its status, notoriety and fame? And I'm like, so then I wonder if there are similarities between, you know, guys who look at women and are like, woo, and guys who look at a celebrity or a famous individual and yell at them, not sexual advances, obviously, which definitely gives guys a bit of that privilege because, you know, I'm sure a lot of it's disgusting. But when you're a guy walking on the street and you have a bunch of people like hollering at you and yelling at you like, yo, yo, can I get a picture? I'm a big fan. It's not identical, but there's a similarity there in this is what society values in men. This is what society values in women. Interestingly enough, though, women will still get it worse when they're famous and beautiful because mm. now everybody's yelling at you because you're famous and they're yelling at you because you're beautiful. So it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. And The reason I asked about uh, male heroes is I was wondering – Do you think you would get tongue tied if you came across a male, you know, hero of yours who you looked up to and was inspired by? I think so, probably. So, yeah, I I want, that's just just an idea I was wondering about, you know.
1: There's a, actually, in the film Malcolm X, I mean, Denzel Washington, he was so unbelievable in this role. Like, to this day, when I see a picture of the real Malcolm, I still, I see both men. And there's a scene where, in the film, where Malcolm meets um, Elijah Muhammad. And Denzel plays it so beautifully. He, he, he has his, he has his head down and you see tears start streaming down his face. This is a man who spent his time in prison, educating himself, learning how to speak. This dude was a former pimp. You know, he goes into detail in his autobiography. Yeah. About how he learned the, the street slang, you know, you know, and so he, so he, he knows how to talk to people. And yet in this, at least as depicted in this movie, he meets, you know, his, his, his idol. And he he can't say anything. He just starts. He just starts crying. It's such it's such a powerful, beautiful moment. And, and you know, and I I will say I did get to meet Harry Belafonte, and um, that that is somebody that I said you know I I wonder if what I would say to him if I ever met him. And um, I did a show off Broadway where he played the. It was a a play called Carmen Jones, and he did the movie adaptation of it. And he played a character named Joe, which is what I played off Broadway. And one night he came to the show and I've been saying to myself, well, what, what would I say to him if he showed up? And I'm somebody who is who is extraordinarily grateful to the people that came before me, which is another reason why I, I step off. Uh, I step away from this woke stuff, because I feel like they keep erasing the heroes of the past But, you know, I got out, I got out of the theater, walked around the corner, and there he is, this 91 year old man in, in this wheelchair, eyes still bright, these bright blue eyes, his great cheekbones. And at a certain point, you know, I just said, thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done. You're, you're a warrior and you're a trailblazer. And, you know, I just, I just want to shake your hand. And, you know, I was like, can I get a hug? And he just, he got up. His old ninety-one-year-old <laughs> rickety self, man, I get emotional thinking about it. And you know, there's video of it. And we just, and we hugged each other, you know. And so that, so that's one instance where, you know, as I, I said, I just was like, that I met a a a trailblazer and and the hero. Where I was like, you know, thank you. So maybe, so I, I maybe though. it's a maybe say what not tongue not tongue tied But but I guess what I'm getting at is that maybe it, it's it depends on who the guy is and what situation that he's in in his life. Like I see other guys at the gym or whatever, and they, you know, they look good, they're ripped or whatever, and I'm like. Wow, good for that guy. You know, that, that guy looks amazing. Or I'll see somebody who's like doing their thing. They're running a business. They make money. I'm like, wow, good for that guy. Like, you know, I, I could, you know, be there somewhere. But at the same time, the flip side might be, man, you just may. (laughs) <laughs> I, can't, I, I it's, We're keeping the family friendly, so I can't. Uh, I, I can't say what I want to say. But man, 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 look at this dude. You, you flashing all this? Man, you got these big muscles. Man, whatever. You just you know, we, we call them haters. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be, uh, I
0: got a lot of them on Twitter.
1: Oh, 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 I bet you do, my friend. You know, I, uh, so. I, rem-
0: I remember I was working. Uh, I worked working in California once when I was doing fundraising, and I saw a dude pull up in a very expensive car. You know, like convertible. And I'm just thinking, like, he, he looked really young, like early 20s. And I'm like, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing? And I was like, hey, man. And he's like, Yo, what up? I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're making all this money. You clearly look like you're doing well. Here's a real estate. And so it's like, I saw that and I went up to a guy and I was like, Yo, yo, I, w- I want to talk to you real quick. Because I saw his power and his status. You know what I mean? And I was like, Give me some advice. Like he was a little bit older than me. And I was like, What is this? How do you afford this? What do you do for a living? What's the what, what's the key? How did you get started? Tell me the, tell me those secrets, you know what I mean?
1: That's like the, that's the plot of uh of the pursuit of happiness, remember that uh, that oh, Will Smith yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: Where he, he but sees that was based a, on a true story, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. But he sees a guy in a, driving a nice car, and he's like, you know, well, what do you do? Like, well, I'm a stockbroker. <laughs> he's like, well, I want to learn how to do that. How do I learn how yeah, to do yeah. that? You know. So I mean, that's that's the kind of thing. You know, I, I, I just I was speaking about this this earlier uh, to one of your colleagues, just about this this creeping nihilism, this lack of this lack of aspiration. You know, there, there's no people. It's as if, uh, and especially with the response to to COVID, people are just content with sitting in and just shutting themselves in all day, and and never striving for anything. And in wanting to strive for something, it makes you greedy. It makes you selfish. You're not. You're only thinking of yourself. But you know how, if if you're constantly denigrating people who want to build something or to achieve something, yeah, they might. Maybe they are selfish. But if that drives them to create, you know, if that drives an Elon Musk to, you know, to launch rockets into space you know what i mean then what's 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 the deal what's the problem with that why can't we aspire to be like these people um instead of tearing them down it seems like there's a huge huge cultural movement where it's like any striving for any kind of achievement or whatever is 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 looked down upon
0: crabs in a barrel man
1: Crabs in a like yeah.
2: like, like a resentment. Bucket, like if you're not, you back down? if someone's not striving, and then they see someone that is, there might be this resentment. Maybe is well, the do reason? You, do you know the phrase "crabs in a barrel"? Crabs in a bucket. Yeah, what is it? They they snap at each other because they all
0: want out at the same time. Right. So when one is climbing out, the other one grabs trying to pull itself up. Pulls if they them back only
2: down. knew, if they worked together, they could all get out. The bottom guy would climb up their backs first. Pull and them then all one out at the a time. They, yep. Except but, the guy at the top would have to hang there and carry the weight of all the other crabs.
0: Some we we need one of those crabs to like and introduce crab communism so they understand the power of the collective. <laughs> you, you know, know just what you like collective, Yes,
2: get <laughs> yeah. a bunch of crabs to cling onto the barrel in a circle, and then a bunch of crabs out, so you have like a funnel of crabs, and that way <laughs> yeah, right, distribute right. the yeah, weight. Well, Let's work together.
0: And like we've, all s- we've solved decentralized the, the weight it, it, distribution. The, the, it's the age-old mathematical problem. We've now solved it. The crabs in a barrel mathematical equation. It's simple. Oh, there it is. And all the crabs that disagree, kill them. <laughs> 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 then we eat them there we go some butter oh, sauce. perfect everyone wins in this scenario <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go to super chats if you haven't already go to timcast.com become a member because we got exclusive members only segments that will be coming up of course and uh smash that like button subscribe to the notification bell uh, it all really really helps so seriously smash that like button normally i like to start from the beginning but i'm looking down at this this one super chat you know that's more more recent i have to read it ashley underwood says clifton I'm going to listen to whatever you got to say just to hear you. That voice. Wow. It's got the same something as James Earl Jones. It's a good one. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your training has paid off. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it you know, you, you, you did Broadway acting. You've done, like, vocal. You know what? It, it's actually crazy.
1: When people hear me speak... And I'm, 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 I'm uh, that rare breed of individual. I'm the straight guy who does musical theater, and so, and so when they hear me speak, they're like, "Oh, well, clearly you're going on the bass or the baritone line." But I have a range where I can sing not crazy high, but but much higher than you might think. I so I just have a really weird voice. But I will say that the more, the more comfortable that I that I that I get in myself. That sounds kinda of weird. But the more comfortable that I am with myself and the more that I mature, the more that I relax into myself. I mean I actually have to monitor myself and how I speak because I tend to speak very, very, very quickly. But it, it's it's actually sort of an internal kind of a thing, uh, Ashley. Where <laughs> I um
0: uh, Oh, just do way there's more. But but that's a lot more. But
1: uh but just, you know, it it's it's owning. It's owning more of my maleness. That, that's really how I feel. Masculinity. That, that's how. That's how I feel about it. And um, for the longest time, you know, I, I was so focused on appeasing other people and pleasing other people, and part of that was speaking in, in, in a tone of voice where, you know, I'm trying to be friendly, and you know, and and it goes up here, but that's not where my natural voice is. When I'm when I'm more relaxed, this is where this is where I tend to live. I just get really excited, really, really easily, but. So, and part of it is training. You know, you, you, it, everyone can benefit, I think, from, you know, learning breath techniques and learning where to speak from and learning where their resonators all are. Um, and it actually, if I can, you know, kind of go off for like a couple of minutes, you know, it, it, as an actor, it's kind of fun because then you learn where your different resonators are, where you can place things. So, you can, so if I'm going down here and playing someone who is from, a uh, in Africa, for instance, Zemunda. I can I can make <laughs> Zamunda. Because that movie uh, just came out. I know. I, I'm not hearing great things about it, unfortunately. Aww. But or I can come up here and play a completely different character and resonate more of of here, you know. Or man, I can come back here and be just real chill, bro. You know what you I'm did saying? A, you did a Jordan Peterson earlier. That yeah, was like, this oh wow. So yeah, it, it's it's seriously not good. It's not good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> He's radical Marx. Yeah. See, now see, now I'm on the spot. It's 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 a uh,
0: it's it's not not quite as good as it was. But um. Yeah. No, I'm it was <laughs> really good before the show because you were just kind of yeah. winging it as a joke. Yeah, I know. I was like, whoa, that one hit the you know.
1: Yeah, well, I I I'll, I'll work on that. And I'll, what was your I'll be history, better like,
2: it. um, from like young <laughs> like, young adulthood to professional career? How did you traverse that?
1: My life makes no sense, my friend. <laughs> I you know I was uh my mom was in the army. I'm a military brat. So maybe you know every three to four years, my life was uprooted. I was born in Heidelberg, Germany. Uh Maybe that's why today you know I I, I just I I guess I like people. I, I I'm not you know I had friends who were Turkish and Greek and Dutch and all kinds of things and. And um, But there was nobody in my family who had any sort of artistic or at least expressed artistic inclinations. And, you know, I was going to be an illustrator. That was my thing. I dabbled in music and like in poetry and prose and stuff like that. And then uh, at a certain point, um, you know, I... I basically left uh I, I was in this french class for three years i dropped i, I didn't drop out but I, I left to chase a girl basically into a drama class and i just found i was good at it and i got a lot of encouragement and uh in-state tuition was way way cheaper to go to theater school and get a useless uh, b- bachelor's degree in theater um and i just sort of started, uh, started going going from there I, you know i, I never would have I never really would have chosen to be an actor. You know, it's going to sound a little uh, pretentious and cliche, but it kind of chose me. And I just have sort of rolled with it. It took me a long time to be comfortable with it. And, um, you, you know, so I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just, I'm just kind of a weirdo who, you know, liked, and art and Fell games in. and wrestling and video games and comics and then now i'm chased a girl into theater school man well, well girl so what i did too let me
0: let me read some more of these super chats for oh you lord, where are we going so on? i jumped to the beginning i'm thinking this one super chat i'm reading is like just a funny one in the middle and so i go to the beginning of the super chats and um errant thought says good lord you should do voiceover work pure honey m sheba says i'm not gay but that voice is sexy <laughs> you yeah. might be a little gay so <laughs> 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 All right, all right. Uh, Stray Alien says, The culture is better at Hungry Jack's, referencing Burger King.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> all right, let's see. Petty says, I've heard you and others refer to the third-degree charge as manslaughter, but the Minnesota definition is different and requires malice and disregard for life. Dude has no chance at a fair trial anywhere, though. Well, they're trying to—so it's second-degree murder and manslaughter, I believe, in second-degree for Chauvin. Hmm. And they're trying to add third-degree murder. This is what I'm wondering,
2: how is he going to get a fair trial? How can there be a jury that hasn't heard of this, isn't predisposed?
1: That's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Butters Oregano says, "Love when guests have a great voice and excellent enunciation." Side note: GME to the moon. GameStop hit like two hundred bucks. Oh wow! Are you serious? Jeez, wow. Jeez, man, people are becoming millionaires overnight from memes on the wow. stock. Love I kind of, I kind of love it, yeah. especially considering. I mean, it's GameStop,
1: which <laughs> people don't really like GameStop all that much. But but so I, there is a part of me that's glad that it, that it's achieved some kind of relevance again.
0: There you go. Yeah. Shooter CSW says, look into the history of International Women's Day. It's literally a communist holiday. That's that true? I did not hear that. <laughs> Here's another one. Just Jenny says, my God, his voice is beautiful. How much money did we make simply because of your voice? <laughs> all of these people super beautiful. chatting?
1: Just give me a cut, man. That's all I ask for. 10%.
0: 10%. <laughs> Tyrannus Cygna says, hello, all. Clifton, what roles did you play while doing Shakespeare?
1: Um my favorite was uh Macduff and uh, and who's the hero of the play Macbeth? He's the one that kills uh, the titular character. Um Macduff is interesting because you know when you're interpreting these roles you you know you want to look at why is this character in the play? What is his function in this story? And how is he different from Macbeth? Macbeth turns into this uh, evil tyrant and dictator sort of like Andrew Cuomo. And um Mac- Macduff on the other hand, you see these scenes, there's only one scene unfortunately with with his wife and and his kid and he has his you know and whereas Macbeth is talking, you know, uh, about power and 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 darkness and everything. Macduff has all this text where he's talking about he's referencing God and he, you know and he loves his family and and one of the central scenes in the play is where he learns Macbeth has had his wife and children killed. And it's such a a brilliant scene that's often cut because it's usually played played pretty badly, but Macduff is a, is a great one. Um, Caliban is another one from The Tempest, uh, one of Shakespeare's later plays. And that was interesting. I did that in Washington, D.C. And um Caliban is explicitly referred to as a slave. He is a slave. So right away when I was cast, I knew like, oh, man, we're going to have to deal with a bunch of backlash. And, um, you know, but even though there's a lot of language in the play where he's like, you know, he's a moon calf, he's a monster, this and that. I said, you know, I'm going to treat him as a human being because if I treat him as some kind of alien, you know, and you and you'll see productions of the Tempest where some terrible director is like, we're going to make Caliban an alien and, and put spikes on him and da 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 da, but it's but it's alienating for the audience and they can't really visit, you know, the the humanity of this character who I felt like this this is a uh, this is a human being who's being treated this way and. And what the audience and what the audience receive is like, receives is, while well, this poor put upon slave and and they begin to to empathize with him. Um, so you know, I don't want to go on and on about did it. You, but that's did, a great one.
0: Did you hear that? There, there, apparently, there's going to be like a reboot of Superman, and I don't know exactly what it is, but if they were talking about casting a black man as as Superman. And I don't I don't know if I like I, I've heard a lot of people say there's a couple arguments. One of the arguments I've, I've actually agreed with is that I think it's really dumb that they do hand-me-down characters. Exactly.
1: It's a, it's hand-me-down franchises. It's, it's, you right. you can't create anything original. We're, we're going to give you this thing. Now, you know, I have to be careful and measure what I say. JJ uh, J. Abrams is, is, um, is producing it. And, you know, people knock, uh, JJ, but I, I will say he, he co-produced the Broadway show that I did. I found him to be very smart and a very hard worker. And when I hurt my back, he actually sent me some cookies oh, with a nice note nice. on the stationery. He's like, yeah, sorry about your back. Um, and a cool guy. But I mean, I, I agree. You know, it, it's one thing if you're doing, you know, a, a, an alternate Earth's kind of a thing. And and maybe there is a story that could be told about, um you know, about someone coming from an alien planet who, you know, who is a minority and has to find some way to connect with this this um, race of people around him. That that could be interesting in terms of a stu- in, in terms of a Superman story. But. If it's just, it's gonna be Superman. Right. You know, then that's, that's a different, that's a different sort of thing. I was
2: always, I learned um, anyone can play any role. Boy can play a girl, girl can play a boy, colors doesn't matter, as long as it's good. Like, if they make the stupid story about, like, oh, I'm suffering because of the color of my skin, that's not Superman, man.
1: Superman's a hero. Well, here's the thing. So there's, there's a practice called uh, colorblind or non traditional casting. It's very prevalent in the theater and also in the opera. And um, there's often this argument of saying, well, why can't it work in reverse? There's a playwright named Neil Labute who wrote an article, uh, an op-ed in the L.A. Times back in 2007, where he said, well, why can't, why couldn't Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie do A Raisin in the Sun? And the reason for that is, and why it often doesn't work in reverse is that there are so many works by Black writers wherein being Black is a central part of the given circumstances of the play. So, with A Raisin in the Sun, for instance, there's a scene where. This, uh, this white individual comes into this, um, and, and people, and for people who don't know the story, it's basically about a black family in Chicago in the 1950s who comes into money and they want to move to a nice neighborhood that's all white. And so this, uh, this representative of the neighborhood they want to move into, um, comes in and offers to pay them money not to move. You know, it's just, it's racism.
0: Blockbusting? Say, so, um, or redlining? Or- um,
1: no. It, uh, i forget the specific it's been a long time since i've read it but it's basically like you know we want you know everything to be friendly and, and people to be happy where they are and we just and so and and a good director will cast an actor a white actor who's very friendly and very you know inviting to to do that but the point is the play doesn't work right if right, you right. have a white if you have white people playing the younger family that the, the name the youngers
0: but i i also think you know it, it is weird, like, Superman is an alien, but he looks like just, like, a he regular like English-speaking o- a a white, white dude. dude yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, even with Starfire, who's another DC character, she's orange, at least. Yeah. And so, I, I gotta be honest, I- the idea of taking an existing character who is already defined and then just kind of handing, handing it down, I think, is disrespectful. And I think it's a cop-out. Instead of writing new... Or- yeah, right, right. Make new original heroes with awesome stories. Dude, you could play Superman. That'd be... So, but I, but i'd, I'd rather but, play listen, captain
1: america personally but,
0: but so so look i like miles morales as spider-man mm. it's an alternate earth version because there's there is the spider-verse and i think you know into the spider-verse was an awesome movie i got no problem with that if they just rebooted spider-man and we're like you know we're just gonna now celebrate the diversity by casting this character i'm like for 50 years or however long we've had these heroes longer like 70 years or whatever when superman get written there has been, he, he's, he's been a representation for a certain, for, for you know, he, he's been a rep- representation of a certain individual. I don't think you're actually doing anything for diversity or social justice by now saying, okay, now that we're done with it after seven decades, we're going to, you know, cast it in a minority position or something. We
2: need a new hero universe, like, desperately. No, just
0: make, just write stuff. Mar- it's like, yeah. where, where's the originality? Just make a new story. Uh, it's not even right. that
1: hard. Well, also, my, my fear about that is, um, I, I oh, excuse me, there is a in 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 the entertainment industry there is a a constant denigration of the audience they feel like they're smarter than the audience and you know but even if the audience you know whoever comes to see your show even if they can't articulate certain things that they don't like they can feel it and my fear is that if we keep doing things like this and then when people push back against it they say like thor is a great example thor is a character that i never thought that i would enjoy that much but when i read the comments i was like you know he's 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 a wonderful character Mm -hmm. and um but when they cast but when they said we're going to make uh thor a woman and they said you know well thor is just a title no it's not right you know he's the son of odin and he's the king of asgard you know and if if you keep just and and but if you no matter how there was a great post on reddit that that said it you know it, no matter how much you break it down like no thor is not a title thor is th- this person and you know but you they'll still call you a misogynist or whatever and so so if you say like yeah i don't i'm not really feeling a black superman they're going to call you a racist. racist and so people i think i'm afraid that when someone like me comes along, they're going to say, I'm not going to see that. It's just some black guy. You know, I'm just, I'm tired of seeing all these black people. And well, this, you know, this, what, what are they there for?
0: This is interesting. You, meant, you mentioned uh, that one play about the black couple and the white guy, what was it called? Raising
2: in the Sun. Oh, Raising Raisin in the, the sun. sun. Right, right.
0: You said the play doesn't work because it's literally about a black family and, you know, this thing was happening. And I feel there's a similar, similar argument to Thor right? Mm. Thor is literally the son of Odin. He's a, uh, what is he? He's a Norse? A Nordic? Norse god. Mm-hmm. Norse yeah. god. So it's like to change those character attributes about him and then take his name also creates a really weird kind of story break in it that, this, that it's literally about this god who is son of Odin based on this certain mythology. W- yeah, Some w- characters it probably doesn't matter.
2: When you do colorblind casting, it's you suspend your disbelief so a woman will be playing the male role, but it will be a man character in the play just played by a woman. So the audience suspends their disbelief, accepts that it's a man, doesn't matter who's playing the role. But when it comes to skin color, that could be viscerally confusing.
0: It, I think, And just, when uh, they change I, I, it I, to no, a Thor as
2: a woman now and not a woman playing a male role,
0: that can right, be confusing. The story has changed. No, I think like what you were saying is, you know, if, if, this, if the element of the story is the character is, you know, of this race or this background changing that just changes the story. It, yeah. it would be like really weird if like Brad and Angelina were being racially discriminated against as like a wealthy white Hollywood couple. You if know, you, what, I mean? you know like, what
1: I mean? Like, you know, and, and actually my, my alma mater, my, my grad school, they, they did a production that caused a lot of controversy where you had, you know, these white student actors who were playing these black characters and it's just wow. like, it just, it doesn't work. The play does not make any sense at all.
0: But as a statement, the play being the art itself, as opposed to the actual performance I think is an interesting point to be made about why it doesn't work. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I I guess. Yeah,
0: like because (laughs) then you people you show people
1: and be like it's kind of weird, right? But you know, but you know, well, that's a whole other discussion about like how how is it benefit? I mean, I guess it could benefit if you're a student actor and you are exploring, you know, maybe cultures unfamiliar to yourself. Then there's merit in that. Just but on a professional level, no no one's gonna go see no one's gonna go see that show.
0: All right, let's read some more super chats. Maddie says, "My dad is Algerian." My cousins going to school here were confused by forms because they weren't black, but didn't view themselves as white. Maybe we should start trolling and put African-American because technically we are from Africa. Do you hear about the kid? There was a scholarship for African-Americans and a white, uh, a white, blonde hair, blue eyed kid showed up. And when they were like, what are you doing here? He says, it's for African-Americans, right? And they're like, yes. And he was like, I'm from South Africa and now I'm an American. And they were like, get out. But like for somebody who's not from here, they're like, "Oh, hey, I'm from Africa, and now I'm an American." You know what I mean? They don't realize it was a racial thing. I think he did it as a troll, though, to be completely honest.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I've actually worked with with uh, with like white people from from South Africa, and, and it's and it's the same. That's why I don't use the term African American. Yeah. It's just you know, it's just it's too broad, and it doesn't really. Britain. Oh Lord Tim, what are you reading right now? <laughs> Britain,
0: Britain, I gotta read this super. I want to interrupt you though. No, I'm, so I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Let's hear it. Matthew let's hear. Hammond says, would Clifton go on Zuby's show? It would be two amazing voices that could read a phone book and be engaging. You know what, Matt? That's <laughs> too I, good. I, no, but I, I, really, I, I really like
1: Zuby a lot. Um, I, I've, uh, we follow each other on Twitter, and, um, you know, he just seems like a, a, decent, a, a decent guy. <laughs> and I see all the hate that he gets on Twitter. I'm like, dude, he's, he, he, he's what a do genius. You do? There's just
0: so but, many where they're like, this voice. Clifton's voice Oh geez. man wait
2: till the radio
1: show comes I'm going to talk like this for the for the rest of the podcast I'm talking like this um, thanks that, for That's what I'll are. do go there, go. there we go I <laughs> really, that, about more this you. I'll just work like this Sounds and delicious. Delicious. everyone can can <laughs> send it send your super chats to oh. Cast IRL Ooh.
0: <laughs> Oh, no. That's the voice they were hoping for when they donated. That soothing, <laughs> high-pitched, screeching whine.
1: Doesn't it make you just want to take a nap? Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. curl up mm-hmm. with your with your honey at home and just
0: got me. All right, let's see. Hartford House says Frederick Douglass birth Frederick Douglass birth and death month is February, Black History Month.
1: Was that was that why they did it? Oh, you know, I'm not sure about the origin. My, my, my complaint is it's really and more it, superficial, but it's just it's just so freaking cold, bro. Like, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just put funny. it in a warm month. Black people do not like cold weather. We shortest, just don't. <laughs> we just, it's just so the good. shortest, coldest month. We don't like
0: cold weather, man. It's just so put hard.
1: it in June. Put it in June. And I it understand. It's
0: the shortest month, too. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah that. You only get 28 days. 29 every four years. So, you know, be happy <laughs> with that. You.
0: Jeez. So, Acme Products says, The collectivization of the farms in the USSR led to rapid food shortages. Stalin decided to steal Ukrainian grain to feed the cities of Russia and starve out the Ukrainian nationalist movement. It's estimated three to five million died. I got it's the name of that British
2: journalist first. Gareth Jones. Is that right? No, he was, was a Welsh journalist. It was a different guy. Oh, and I,
1: its so—it's so disrespectful to him. But I was Malcolm Muggeridge. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's—I I think, think that's what right. his name is. I that's right. I'm familiar with this
0: name. Andrew Turek says, "Hey Tim, thanks for another great show. Would you ever consider having Colleen Noir on the show? I think he's one of the best two-way advocates on YouTube, and I'd love to hear y'all talk. I would love to have Colin on the show. Yeah. And it's just, it—Covid has made things very, very difficult for a lot of people, and so we probably have a list of like fifty amazing." people who are like dude we'd love to come on and we can't travel a lot of them are in canada basically like every Mm. canadian guest Mm. except for those who have like somehow made it out of canada before the (laughs) lockdown escaped so they're all like we're trapped here um we'd love to come on the show when they release us wow Wow. it's canada's brutal man man uh, i can't famous quote Psychea dargan says history doesn't repeat itself but it often rhymes mark twain yeah yeah. I like that quote. We have a second. Someone says, "I su- I second uh, Christina says, I second the suggestion to have Colin Noir on the show. That would be awesome. I'd love to have him. JB says, would you be ever willing be willing to bring a nobody onto your show from middle America to get out of our, per- our pers- perspective? That's me. Yes. Just kidding. What we were uh, planning... We talked about this a lot. We were like, we want to do a regular Joe's kind of thing mm-hmm. where we have like regular, you know, union member or something who can be like, I'm an union. We should get, get our dads like.
2: on and talk about firemen.
0: Well, buddies. so the, the, the challenge though is... Um, COVID traveling and I think maybe like the original idea was we were going to travel around before like the original idea for this channel was to travel around the country and do like setting up tables in random towns and talking Mm. to regular people so like in real life and then COVID happened and we couldn't travel so maybe there's something still there with doing that once things get better so we actually are building a mobile tour setup and the plan right now is very preliminary but we're going to travel to a couple different cities, spend a week in a city, and then do a Friday night live venue podcast. That's cool. Where the Super Chats are the audience. And and the Super Chats, like, we'll do both. That's the plan, which means a lot of work has to be done. And depending on what the lockdowns are like in various cities. But I think for the most part, like, will we stay in, like, Texas and Florida and stuff? We'd be totally fine. Also,
1: you know, just quickly, one of the uh, the things that I love about the modern era, you know, in platforms like YouTube is that, I mean, this idea of the, like, the ordinary person or, or the common man or woman, I feel like is sort of going by the wayside because everyone is passionate about something. And I use this example all the time. But there's a guy on YouTube who, like, trains dogs and minks to catch rats. And that's, like, his thing. And he has millions and millions of views on these videos. And I'm thinking to myself, you know… Or, or you think about how the most some of the most astute political commentary in 2016 was coming from an ex Satanist who's sitting in his bathrobe Drinking in coffee. his room in Vermont.
2: <laughs> and so,
1: right. So this idea of of the ordinary person now, I feel like you know is, is sort of going out of the window because there's something extraordinary I think in, in in a lot of people. You know, it's just you just have to find whatever that thing is that they like. And I love that I have access to that now. I can like I can watch these people and say, oh yeah, and, and learn from them and just and grow in, in a weird way.
0: Deccan says. Tim, quote, people have their own worldviews based on where they live. Also, Tim, quote, conservative parts of the South, very racist. You don't live in the South and don't know our ways. You out your outside perspective. Well, uh, if I didn't say this properly, what I believe I said was I have been to conservative parts of the South that are very racist. I have. I have spent time there. I have lived there. I did not say all of the South was racist. I did not say that every conservative is racist. There are places I've been to in big cities where they believe a whole bunch of far-left crazy stuff, and I think the world represents their views. And I have been to places in parts of the South that are very, very racist. And to be fair, I don't—these people don't think the cities represent their views. Mm -hmm. They just have their own worldview based on where they live. But it doesn't mean every single southern state or whatever is racist or every person is. Mr. Kirk says, hello, big fan of original Trek and— and there were many interracial kisses on the show outside Trek before the supposed first interracial kiss. E.g. kisses between white men and Asian women on adventures in Paradise and I Spy. Interesting. Did not know that.
1: Well, but Asians, uh, they're not considered a minority anymore, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Oh,
0: no, I'm double white. All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you're,
1: you're white squared.
0: White squared. <laughs> that exactly. You know, what, man, dude, I've heard some of the most insane racist stuff from How? these people. Dude, it's so... I was told by a guy at UW in Seattle... That white supremacists love Asians and want to make Hapa children, be just like how Germany and Japan was allied in World War Two, And I'm just like, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard, where you mashed this, like, random idea from history, and you know nothing about the war and, like, the interactions between any of these countries. Right. Well, you know what? But I—
1: my So my ex-girlfriend was Japanese-American, and it, her and I have another friend of mine who, who's also Asian— they both said about themselves that this was unprompted but they said, you know, I just always saw myself as white. And I was like, that's really that's really fascinating to me because like full Japanese? Yeah. Well, like I mean she was Americanized, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh but I was I was like, wow, man, I I don't really have that option. How does that work for you? You know what I mean? So, I don't, so maybe mm. I don't know how much of that Maybe um, she did mindset she grew up prevalent. in like a
0: white neighborhood maybe and she just found herself as part of an American culture and associated that as whiteness um, or something? I don't know, man.
1: I mean, she's a she's a California girl, and, I mean, she, she has a huge, huge um, family that she seems very in touch with with her culture. So I, I don't know what where, where that ideology came from.
0: I, I, I didn't, you know, I actually got a lot of flack from the alt-right. <clears throat> they said Tim Pool has no identity and doesn't understand identitarianism because, you know, being mixed race, he can't truly understand what it means to have, like, a cultural history or something like that. And I'm like, I do. I have... Two different ones. I don't know. Like I just like you're like someone could be French and Swedish. Well, then you have French history and Swedish history. But growing up, I guess you know, I grew I grew up in an area where it was like very fairly diverse. Mm. That was it. You know, there were people of different backgrounds. So there was no identifying as white. There was no like thinking you are white. It was literally just like we're. I don't know. We didn't have an identity. Is like, you know, one kid was Italian, one kid was a Polish immigrant, one kid was Asian, one kid was Mexican, one kid was black. And we we're just like, we're Americans, I guess. Mm. We're skater kids. Like we did it didn't occur to us. And that really breaks my heart when I see what, what the modern identitarian left does. Because I'm like, wow, I really had that like perfect Mick kid, you know, diverse childhood of all these different backgrounds and cultures and languages. And we all got along and had fun and we're just kids growing up
1: nobody cared you know you, right. you would go over to your buddy's house you'd play nintendo or whatever for forever and then you get bored and you go outside and you play some more and and just nobody nobody cared about it nobody where'd you, cared where'd you grow up uh germany virginia belgium and virginia and so i spent oh. a lot of a, a lot of uh, formative years in virginia you know on on military bases and you just hung, you know, or or you know, I'm in I'm in Belgium, you know, from, from ages uh, from age eight to twelve, and like I said before, I mean, I had friends from, from Holland, I had friends who were French, who were Flemish, Turkish, Greece, <coughs> all, Greek, all kinds of stuff, and you, you just no one ever cared about it, no oh, one ever cared. Awesome. It was a lot of fun.
0: That's Julie awesome. Simone, oh, she's got some some fire for you. Okay, this likely won't get read given it was ignored during the show, but Clifton, Uh-oh. you completely stereotype sexual orientation in musical theater. Are black stereotypes <laughs> fair game then too? <laughs>
1: I mean it was a joke obviously what I was saying you know I mean the 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 straight man in musical theater I mean but we are a very rare breed and it's and I will say it's ironic because I do run into people often who say um who say you know we we need more uh, masculine men in theater and um but they're not writing roles for for those kinds of people so but you know there there's there's not one theater person who would not laugh at what I said because they because they understand it and it's um I mean you know the, the the every musical I've done I've shared dressing rooms with you know where I'm the only straight guy in there and you know no one really cares so there so, so.
0: So think about this, I, this is interesting. interesting.
2: I'm also a musical theater, you know, theater major. I was, oh yeah,
1: like, were you in Greece? The musical I played Vince Fontaine. It was no, I, I wasn't yeah. in Greece, but I did. Bye Bye Birdie was my first musical. Oh, great musical! <laughs> I I can completely empathize and sympathize with what you're talking about. Yeah, and in a weird way, it's kind of it's it's kind of alienating because I'm like I'm alienating because I'm like, well, I don't really feel like I belong. But then I'm like, I can't say anything because then what
0: are they? Gonna, I feel like they're going to say back to me, well, 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 welcome to the <laughs> club, buddy. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, think about it. Right, this is a joke that. You, you're saying the people you know and the communities you've been in would laugh because it's a joke that resonates with you as people who are in musical theater. As
1: someone who actually does music, yeah.
0: People who are outside that would get mad. Not everybody, but there, there are people who are outside that so would be like, you can't say that. Hmm. That's offensive. And it's like, you don't understand the joke because you're not a part of the community where right, everyone yeah. would, would find it funny.
2: I don't know. It was like the least offensive community I'd ever been in, the theater. I don't know about you. What do you mean? When I was in it, it was, people were so accepting of who we were. It wasn't really about gender, sex, or anything.
1: It's such, it's such a weird, weird, um, thing because it's an industry where, you know, within, within two weeks of meeting complete strangers, you're like making out with them. Yeah. Getting undressed backstage with them. Yeah. You're doing all kinds of things where you're, you know, you should, where you're breaking down these mirrors. And even as a young kid, I didn't, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I also knew that I wouldn't belong in an office anywhere. And, You know, and I'm just I'm kind of a weirdo and I'm just like, here's here's a profession with a bunch of other other weirdos and we can all just be weird together and enjoy ourselves.
2: highly recommend if you're going to go to college to go to college for an art degree, at least for me, I'm still in debt from it. I don't care. It was the most socializing, um, incredible experience. I met so many cool people like I'm. I never. You don't need the degree, but the, it's the experience for me. Did you? You went
1: to college for it too, I went right? To and then I went to grad school as well for theater. Yeah, wow. well, For for acting. Yes. I want to read F. A. BFA, or B F A and M. F. A. It's it's in my Twitter bio. I li- I list my credentials because so, everyone's doing that now.
0: There you go. <laughs> All right, we got it. We got a couple more. This is, this is interesting. Uh, D Montoya says Calvin Ellis was an alternate universe Superman who was black, and Ra Z- Razafon. R- says Val Zod is the name of the black Superman from Earth 2. The oh, cool. character was great, not because he was black, but because Val Zod was well-written. Mm. Well, there you go. And then Greg says, how do you feel about a black female being cast as Anne Boleyn, considering it's a historical white person? It's
1: just, it's, it's needlessly inflammatory. It's anti-historical. Um, again, I mean, I haven't seen this project. I know what, what this person is referring to. But it's one of those things where it just I don't feel like it really accomplishes anything. I don't I don't know what they're aiming. at. I mean, it's one thing if you have a show like like Hamilton, which I think a lot of conservative people don't really get. And it's like, well, why are all these black people playing George Washington and, and Hamilton and Jefferson and all these people? Uh, but for me, it's it's a wonderful theatrical device where they're telling a story in via hip hop. That's really that's really important. And it's just it's. I think it's fun for most audiences to come see it because you're telling a, 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 a history, although many historians have had problems with it, issues with the script. But um, I, I feel like that's such a, a different kind of theatrical event versus if you're trying to produce something that's that's got uh, historical verisimilitude, then that's not the right way to go about it. And it just seems like it is signaling for this particular time. And, and what and I know you got it. But but what and what I also am upset about is that, you know, when you have these actors who are just trying to build careers, they're just trying to do something that they love and that they enjoy, and they're thrust into these um into these roles, um, you know, they don't deserve the sort of heat that they get, the criticism that they get, because actors don't give themselves these jobs, generally speaking.
0: I you know I I wanna I wanna clarify a lot of what we were talking about earlier. That because I'm 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 thinking Mm -hmm. a lot about this. If if I don't really care all that much about uh Superman being having a black eye play superman I, I honestly don't really care that much so long as the character is written as superman character and it and it follows this you know like storyline that you know stays true to the character i don't really think it matters who the actor is and i think the issue with hand-me-down characters is more so when like in the comics they made thor a woman it's like couldn't you just make like you know valkyrie or something like make a new hero for women that is more representative instead of just being like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Instead of making strong original characters like the big three in the Marvel universe, you can just have the ones we're done with. It's been a couple decades and the sales are down. Congratulations. We just... It'll... it'll There you go. It's like, we'll just make a new cool character. But but, uh, real real quick, too. There already are a ton of really amazing female characters across these superhero universes that already exist and uh, superheroes who are black or Asian. And I just like... I'll, I'll put it this way. I want to separate these ideas. When it comes to acting, I honestly don't care if Anne Boleyn is being played by a black woman. I, I really, really don't. It's a, it's a fictionalized theatrical version of it. And I honestly just don't care. She's got to be much. good.
1: Make the best it's actor. Good,
0: do the best actor. That's the point. Well, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, but,
1: but, if, but if they're striving for historical accuracy, then it does not work. If they're trying to do do something... Make you cry. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Just if, if, they're, if what they're setting out to do is is has nothing to do with historical accuracy then that's a different thing and then maybe i can entertain that but part of the problem with that is you. like you know going off of what you're saying i feel like that would be fine if we were not in the times that we're living in right now and we didn't have generations of this culturally ingrained idea of of racism and you know i feel like there's no way to do it now to, to race swap a, a character like that Without it seeming as though you're trying to make some kind of a statement, and I think when people see that, they're going to be turned off by that kind of a thing.
0: You know, if uh, uh, we have a lot of people pointing, uh, I'm I'm going to read the super chat because a lot of people are saying the same thing. Um, Ryan Pennington says, First super chat, thank you for everything. The problem with this new Superman is that it's being written by Tana Hesse Coates." Yes. So I'm not super familiar with with the work of Tana Hesse Coates. Tana Hesse Coates is Ta-Nehisi. um
1: is. What many on the i guess in the anti woke and, and the right leaning crowd would call a a race hustler hmm. um, oh. his his views um are very and again, I used to share these kinds of views his views are very typical of of the left regarding race about the you know America being oppressive, America being very racist, and he he actually wrote uh, a run on Captain America and black panther i don 't know how the sales are doing of those, but for me, when, he, when it was announced that he was writing Captain America, I'm saying, well, how can you have this person who, who seems to hate everything, or at least misunderstand everything America stands for, writing Steve Rogers? It doesn't work. So when you have, uh, so when you have Coates writing a character that stands for truth, justice, and the American way, um, you know, maybe truth, maybe justice, he might have views on that, but the American way, I'd like, I don't, I don't know if, if, I think the issue is people might feel like he doesn't quite have the 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 idealism or or the sort of patriotic attitude that would that might help uh that would make a, a superman story more authentic. That said, I'm not super familiar with with the with the superman ethos and you know and the character. People might have people might have other views on that, but but you know for 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 me and I think for a lot of people it's the idea of like this this seems like someone whose ideology um doesn't really match up with with right. with the character he's been given to so, to write.
0: One of the, one of the movies I bring up periodically is a uh, Spiral, I think it was called, and uh, I don't know if you heard me talk about it or if you've seen the movie. Mm. It's a horror movie from Shutter, which is like a subscription horror movie service. And the issue I, I had with it is you know, the movie starts and it is an interracial gay couple who has a daughter, and I'm like that. It's it like I, I'm unfazed by this. I'm like okay cool like. Let's let's watch. I'm, I'm interested. I see a, a loving family with a kid, and I think that's fine. You know, it, it doesn't really like it doesn't stand out all that much. The problem arises when the story's plot is literally driven by the fact that they're an interracial gay couple. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having a horror story where a demon comes to possess the daughter and the family's fighting to protect her, and I can you know, just generally relate to that, it becomes very specifically about a bunch of immortal white people who want to kill marginalized people, and I'm like. Now you're beating me over the head with it, and I'm like, ah, it's kind of like a weird, very angsty and angry. And so I, I think the issue is we have all these movies where supposedly um or actually, you know, coming off of what you were saying about how if 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 uh, uh if the story is like a black family with a house and, and the housing issue, it makes sense that the family's black, it doesn't work if they're white. Mm-hmm. You have this movie where it doesn't doesn't have to matter that it's an interracial gay couple with a kid. You have a bunch of movies where it's a white family and there are ghosts. And it doesn't matter if it was a white family or a black family. The horror story works regardless of the race and ethnicity of the character. Why can't we just have these things? You know what I mean? Like, why can't they make a movie where we have an interracial gay couple with a daughter, but it's just like a regular horror movie that's well-written, that yeah. it, that you know scares you. without jump scares. I hate jump scares. Like, just tell a good story. Like, have you ever seen The Others? Mm-mm. One of the best, like, horror, like Nicole Kidman, really, really oh, great cool. writing clever movie. And, you know, you could make these movies with diverse casts and characters and all that stuff, and it would still be a great movie. Instead, what they do is they write social justice, like letters to social justice for you, and then they call it a horror movie. And, you know,
1: A... (laughs) <laughs> if you had, if you had a, a black horror movie, it'll be a really short horror movie because everyone knows that black people die first. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, it'll be like the opening credits, boom, click, ending crawl. But, uh, seriously though, but, but what you're saying is one thing that I've been beating on in public is, is that this idea of, you know, there is a universal human experience and you can have, you know, a, a gay interracial couple. Um, but as long as it's rooted in like, if it's a horror movie, we want to see what they do to survive. And get out alive? How do they use their wits, their strength? How do they survive this this um, this don't. ordeal? Well, oh, they don't. Well, the evil,
0: anything. the the evil white immortal people. They, a spoiler alert, but I've spoiled the movie already before. <laughs> Basically, what they say they they explain is that every ten years they trick marginalized people into coming into the town so that they can sacrifice them for immortality. Oh come on, man! It's just and it's just like very very over the top. Like I get it. Well, okay. because here's
1: my thing, and and I say. Like I made a tweet about like, you know, I never got into acting to be an activist. And there are too many people now, I feel like, who are saying that we want to send a message. We want to, you know, we want to inject our activism into the story where it would probably be more effective if you focused more on story craft and telling a good story. You know, I, I, two examples that I use often. Um, movies that came out around the same time indie films one was called pariah which is a coming of age story about a young uh, black lesbian in new york city the other was called gun hill road which is a, a coming of age story about a uh a young like a 16 year old latino uh, male who is transitioning into female and you know you, you see all these sort of awkward interactions first love first kisses um uh you know the the how it affects the family and it's like okay like we we see that now we we I can relate to that. You know, I'm looking at a slice of life that I don't really understand or that I don't necessarily identify with. But as a human being, I'm I'm sitting there. I'm saying like, oh, yeah, the familial strife, the awkwardness of first love, trying to find navigate sex and dating, which, you know, it's going to have even more challenges, you know, and we want to We want to see conflict in our drama. That's 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 one of the core tenets of drama. You know, how does this character deal with these new challenges that they're invited into the they're invited and see, you know, I speak quickly now. That they're inviting into their lives, like that's what I want to see. I want to see the human struggle. How do how do they overcome adversity? I don't want to be preached at and given some sort of message. I don't need to be improved when I go to the movies. I just I want to experience
0: something. There's there's watching like The Grudge. There's no racist narrative when the creature climbs out of the black shadows of the wall and it's like a demon going. Uh, And you're like, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, so creepy. It's just a creepy movie, you know. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do one more super chat, and then uh, we'll jump over to the uh, members-only stuff. Jennifer Reems says, Clifton has the coolest voice ever. He has my vote to narrate the coming Civil War. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, right. thank you. Appreciate that. All right. If you haven't already, smash that like button. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member, because we're going to have a, uh, a exclusive members-only segment. We, uh, we, we didn't get to a lot of the stories. This often happens. We'll be like, look, we got all these stories, and then we'll just get into the conversation. It happens. But over at TimCast.com, we will have another one coming up in about an hour or so. So go to TimCast.com, become a member, like, share, subscribe. If you really do like this podcast and you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, leave us those good five stars. Leave us a great review. It really, really does help. And share it with your friends. The only really real way podcasts grow is from word of mouth. But uh Clifton, you want to mention anything? before we go
1: uh sure, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Clifton A. Duncan. You can also find me on Instagram at Clifton Duncan online. I also have a YouTube channel that's my name Clifton Duncan that I'm growing and um you know if if you're an artist out there and you feel like you are uh, that you're being silenced and that you're afraid, just you know, reach out to me. And you know, I, I'm connecting with all of these people. So much, so many of us are afraid, but you know, I'm still figuring out what I'm doing in this space that I keep getting drawn into. I'm, I'm being urged to create a podcast and do all kinds of things. So um, just keep a lookout for for what I'm up to. And you know, I'm just I'm happy to to speak with with uh, with you all and, and to visit and stop by and i appreciate wow. you you give me a chance to run my mouth a little bit i yeah. love having you here man that was awesome hey man I, is, I enjoyed it's it cool. it's cool except, except all the creepers that were like man his voice is just so <laughs> you know because no one was like man he's so smart and what a what they a deep a and taste. insightful person they were oh, like he just makes me just a superficial tingle. Tingle. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> you're vibrating all, all you objectifying are... people out there <laughs> you should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself but just keep giving them money though so just just do that thank you i love it thanks
2: dude Oh, hey guys, you can follow me on net, and then you can check out all my socials and, and dig it. I love you all, man. Thanks for coming. This has been really fun.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Great chat with uh, Clifton here. I had a wonderful evening. Um, my socials, I just do Twitter and Mines and I am Sour Patch Lids on both of those platforms. And then I'm also Real Sour Patch Lids on Instagram and Gap. You can follow me on all social media platforms at TimCast. My other YouTube channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast, YouTube.com slash News. This show is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m., so we'll be back tomorrow, of course. And it's also my birthday tomorrow. Ooh. Oh, snap. We'll, we'll see what oh, happens Lord. tomorrow. Like, for all I know, I'll be, like, just laying there and be like, you know, that's my birthday. I'm not working. But we'll see. I, we, <laughs> we fully intend to have everything as, as, as per usual. I'll just wait till the weekend for the celebrations or whatever. But uh, thanks for hanging out. Go to TimCast.com because we will have a segment up in about an hour, and we will see you all then. Bye, guys.